Welcome, citizens, to the Liberty Podcast. As you embark on your journeys through the colony of Atreus, we would like to take a moment to explain our broadcast feed. The first thing you will probably notice is we have multiple shows in varying formats. Each story arc is a self-contained adventure that does not require any pre-existing knowledge to enjoy. You can pass over an entire story arc and begin on the next story without the need to know characters or outcomes from other unconnected arcs. We would also like to note that the quality of our broadcasts, both in sound design and voice acting, drastically increases over time. The most noticeable jump in quality can be heard starting in Critical Research Season 2. Please keep in mind that Season 1 of Critical Research was our first ever podcast release. So if you find it too rough for your liking, please start on Tales from the Tower, the Critical Research Season 1 recap, or any other available story arc. We hope you enjoyed our broadcast, and as a small production team, we are always happy to chat with our listeners on Reddit, Twitter, Facebook, Patreon, or by email. Thank you for choosing the Liberty Podcast, and may the Archon watch over you. Welcome, citizen, to the first episode of the Liberty Critical Research Podcast. As your media director, it is my duty to inform you that the following story may contain content some listeners may find disturbing. This podcast has been labeled explicit and is intended for mature audiences. If you feel that at any point you are uncomfortable with the presented media, please terminate your broadcast. Otherwise, stay tuned and remember, Atreus endures. message to Dr. Octavius Ayev upon arrival to the terminal. I apologize, Dr. Ayev, but I will not be in today. I was summoned elsewhere, but I forwarded my research to your desk so that you can look over it at your convenience. System 5 is still running my latest model. The results should be available in a few hours. End of message. Recording ended. Audio message saved. We have arrived at Station 10, District 4. Please disembark for Station 10.
to Dr. Octavius Aya has been sent. Welcome, Dr. Kofsky. Please continue down the hall. Are you Mrs. Tongs? Yes. Thank you for your timely appearance, Dr. Kofsky. I know that our contacting you was unexpected, but we believe we may have what you may consider a great opportunity ahead of us. Please, follow me. We've been following your work for quite some time, Dr. Kofsky. Not many people are interested in the lighter side of theoretical fringe or model interpretations. Well, not many people belong to our division. Might I ask to which division you're referring? Today you may, Dr. Kofsky. We here at the Division of Fringe Relations have taken quite an interest in your recent work. I'm surprised to hear this, on both accounts. The existence of the DFR would have been vastly influential to my work. In fact, I'm not sure how my findings could be of any use to you, as I imagine the DFR has far greater resources available than I've had during my research. Well, the accuracy of your models, given your lack of information, is actually what we find so impressive. Accuracy? You've made great strides. We believe your models have an approximate 70% accuracy in the best of cases. Although this seems low, this is an astonishing achievement. We have been browsing your files and noticed that your multiple applications to excursions to the fringe were denied. I assure you, my work would be more accurate with first-hand research. This is what we expect, Dr. Kowski. That's why you're here. I'm sorry, what do you... Why am I here? The DFR believes that you have potential. We want to give you the opportunity to advance your research. And we know that as you progress, so too shall Atreus. My research can only continue with additional information. If the division were to provide it, I could possibly gain five, maybe seven percent accuracy. Your thinking is limited, Dr. Kowski. We believe a direct approach is the best course of action. We want you to lead an expedition into the fringe. Uh... Your transfer was immediate, and as of 0800 hours, you are now an official resource of the Division of Fringe Relations. You no longer report to Dr. Ayev, and your current assignment commences now. What about my lab? Your lab consisted of a single desk in an overcrowded room, and your research has been at a standstill since we have released no new information to the public on Fringer social construction in the past two decades. Future research will depend on this division. And now on you, Dr. Kowski. When do I start? You already have, and we have a briefing prepared, assuming you formally accept the new position. This is the best opportunity I have to better Atreus. All the work I've completed in the theoretical social engineering of Fringer populations could be validated or invalidated by even a small excursion. I'll interpret that as your acceptance. Please continue this way, Dr. Kowski. So, I'm formally a member of the DFR. As stated earlier, Dr. Kowski, your previous employment has already been terminated. Hmm. There are a lot of stories about this place. Most of them are true, Dr. Kowski. (laughs) Where do we keep the secret army? Underground. We have more space there. (laughs) This way, Dr. Kowski. I'd like to introduce you to Miss Ponset and Dr. Fan. They are the internal directors of your operation. Everything so far has been planned by them, and soon we will be entrusting all of their hard work to you. Please be seated, Dr. Kowski. Greetings. Hello. Hi. We know that the shift to the DFR has been expedient, but now that the planning is complete, we are all ready to continue with haste. As Mrs. Tongs has hopefully informed you, you will be leading the expedition into the fringe. Specifically sectors 2-5 and 3-5 of the southern fringe. We've had some recent reconnaissance from the northern sectors, but our information on the south is limited. Tribes, or gangs, have been forming at an alarming rate, matching several of your predictions. 
We believe that your inclusion of variable resource scarcity and your background in psychological health make you an ideal candidate. Thankfully, the high number, instead of high size of these gangs, has limited their actions thus far, but Director Preston would like to take a more preemptive approach and has allocated us the resources to do so. So, will I be leading the Northern team into a Southern expedition? They are... indisposed. You will have your own team. Officers from the Special Defense Force will assist you in your mission and ensure your safety. They have a basic understanding of your objective, but I would not rely on them for assistance on academic matters. We expect that you will be in the fringe for at least a few weeks, and as such, you will be given appropriate supplies. We are looking for any and all information available. Symbologies, possible culture, social structure, intergroup relations, economic activities, mindsets, and, of course, assessing the military threat these fringers pose to Atreus, if any. It sounds as though you already have the entire mission planned. We do, and your final report will be called an ethnographic investigation of the tribes and activities of the Southern Fringe. Hmm, that's... Nice to know. You joke, but this is a very dangerous excursion. My apologies. I I understand the gravity of the situation. Do you? These sub-Atrian creatures are more vile, untrustworthy, and dangerous than anything the Department of Public Affairs is allowed to broadcast. Your research has been vastly limited because the information at your disposal has been tamed, censored, and made suitable for public access. We could never send you out prepared. This is true. You'll notice that the primitive fringers you see on broadcast differ greatly from the ones you'll encounter, which are capable of speech and higher thinking. That's why my models worked! I always assumed that, over time, given their social cohesion, they must have developed some form of speech or communication, which is indicative of higher thinking. Precisely. But don't mistake higher thinking for civility. Would I be correct in assuming that neither of you will be joining me on the mission? You will be the only science officer on this mission. Studies have shown that smaller groups are more likely to go unnoticed. In addition, to better assure your safety, you and your team will be outfitted in the guise of fringers. What sort of reports have you gotten from the Northern team? We prefer audio or audio-visual logs and the occasional digital notes when applicable or more viable. This data will need to be stored on your person until a dead drop is reached. Otherwise, you are responsible for the safety of your research as well. Keep in mind that we have a few agents that are currently operating within the Fringe. If you encounter such an agent, they may be of assistance. That's not exactly what I meant. We cannot give you specific information we deem unneeded for your mission. Okay. What information do you deem needed for my mission? Do not eat anything that does not come from a sealed meal canister and boil any water before consumption. In particular... Social situations, you may be required to de-emphasize your status and allow the soldiers to project the illusion of leadership. Fringers value physical superiority far more than Atrians. A physically weak leader is generally deemed abnormal, and this would draw attention to your party. You might be seen as a prize, someone with a useful skill that can be claimed by a tribe. Anything else? That's all for now. You'll be meeting the members of your team immediately. But before you do so, we'd like to give you this. A recording device? Starting today, we would like you to keep your audio or audio-visual notes regarding your mission on this device at regular intervals 
as you will not be able to bring your privacy hood with you into the fringe. We will dismiss your audio recording today as practice, but we will need you to make a log for the day as you're officially on DFR allocation. You can make the log on the way to Sector 11. We will be meeting your team there. When do we leave? Now. Reeve endures. Reeve endures. May your research benefit, Atreus. Thank you. So, my name is Dr. Marta Lukowski of the Department of Research and Div- the Department of Special Services, Division of Fringer Relations. We know that. You're going to have to state the time and date at the start of each recording. We need to be able to put your excursion in clear chronological order. Right. Um, <clears throat> today is the first day of the fifth month in the year 709. It is exactly 922... And today I have been introduced to my new position as the lead science officer of the Southern Fringe Excursion. I was selected for this position because of my previous research in the fields of social engineering and psychological health, specifically as it relates to my most recent work in theoretical Fringer model interpretations. I am to be fitted for my new assignment and introduced to my new team shortly. We are currently traveling to an undisclosed location in Sector 11, and it's a bit dark down here. (sighs) On a personal note, as a psychological health professional... I believe I'm uncomfortable in the dark. You'll have to resolve that, Dr. Koski. It is also my professional opinion that Mrs. Tongs really likes my name. Or maybe just names. Perhaps it helps her remember them better. As I was saying, this change in my life is entirely unprecedented, and it is the most exciting and frightening thing to have ever happened to me. I am optimistic that I will live up to the standards put forth by the Division and that my research will benefit Atreus as a whole. We've all heard the stories of the Fringe, and hearing that it's somehow worse than my worst imaginings is, admittedly, unnerving. I've been informed by the directors of my operation that I will be assigned a protective entourage consisting of Special Defense Force officers. As our numbers are expected to be few, even this does not put my fears at ease. I would never turn down such an opportunity, but for posterity, I'd like to state that I'm still hesitant. I'm excited, I'm scared, and I'm proud. And I'm slightly confused as to how long these audio logs have to be. Uh, This okay, Mrs. Tongs? Yes, that will be fine, Dr. Kofsky. I am Dr. Marta Lukowski with the DFS. And I like the sound of that. District 11 being so far away. Do you walk much, Dr. Kovsky, or do you simply take the sky rail? Hmm. Welcome to our District 11 facility, Dr. Kovsky. While you will not be here long, the information we pick up from your dead drops will be collected and stored here. As you probably understand, the DFR operates with the utmost security and discretion. So, sadly, many of our facilities are underground. So, is this the facility with the secret underground army? No, Dr. Kowski, not this one, but your military outfit is located here. After all, this is a small facility. Degenerate, stealing my pumpkin, 
I told you I wanted pumpkin. Well, you're getting chicken. Everyone else here loves pumpkin just as much as you do. Even Tongs. Right, Tongs? It's Mrs. Tongs, Officer Jalo. Hey, Tongs. Mm. Tongs, maybe you can help settle this. I called dibs in the pumpkin. Now they're telling me that I have to have chicken. They say it's not fair because I had pumpkin this morning. But I was the first one awake. They could have had pumpkin if they woke up as early as I did and completed nearly as much work. Dr. Kovsky, this is your protective entourage. Officers, please introduce yourselves to Dr. Kovsky. So this is science, ma'am? Officer Severus Jungfist, close quarters. Officer Decima Jalo, pointman. Officer Cato Patel, interface specialist. Senior investigator Gradius Rodriguez, combat medic with previous experience working in the fringe. Okay, I guess that's fine. Uh, hi. I'm Dr. Martalokovsky. I work in the fields of social engineering and psychological health. I'm glad to know I'll have a talented team. Watching my back? And front? And sides? We will be having a special briefing with information provided by Senior Investigator Rodriguez at 1000 hours. All of you should finish eating before the briefing. Pumpkin or no pumpkin, Officer Jungquist. Can we interest you in any meal, Doctor? We've got everything. Chocolate included. Don't worry, it's not our ration. It's stock from this facility. Sure. I'll have a tofu. Oh, living large, are we? Nervous stomach. Sweet, sour, salty, savory. Mm. You seem like the savory sort. Catch. Thanks. So, Cato, did you hear? Long's West is starting his own monthly broadcast. What's it going to be about? Not sure. Ads for it are pretty vague. I don't see why people like that kid so much. I mean, what... What does he actually do? Well, he was born to the West family. Did anyone hear how much that new privacy hood is supposed to cost? Yeah, about three months' pay. Unless you're a close quarters specialist. I'm not buying it. I was just curious. They'll probably be debugging it for at least a year. <laughs> yeah, never buy those things at launch. So, um, so I was curious. Have any of you been out there before? Rodriguez has. Not many people are assigned to the fringe, and fewer come back. That's why we've got Rodriguez. And weapons. And you. You speak their language or something, right? Uh... Dr. Kovsky has made great strides in the field of theoretical social engineering of fringer populations. Theoretical? I assure you that Dr. Kovsky is the best in his field. But enough talk. Senior Investigator Rodriguez, would you begin the briefing? Tomorrow, we will be outfitting ourselves to appear as fringers before leaving through an access tunnel into the southern fringe. Dr. Kovsky and Officer Jalo are still required at this time to receive the dual citizen mark, which will be taken care of following this briefing. When we exit the tunnel and finally arrive in the southern fringe, it is my personal recommendation that we begin by moving southeast, but this is to the discretion of Dr. Kovsky and what he believes is best for the mission. During the duration of the mission, it is my recommendation that inter-party communication is maintained at a minimal level of volume so your unique accent is not noticed by fringers, which would draw attention. Are any fringer accent audio recordings available? No. Additionally, I recommend that we elect an individual within our unit to appear as the leader of our group that isn't Dr. Kovsky. I recommend Jungfist or myself based on stature alone, as stature means more to fringers than you would suspect. Sorry, Jungfist. No offense taken. I'm voting for Rodriguez as well. Do you know their accent, Rodriguez? There are literally hundreds of local dialects. I'm very familiar with three or four and can reproduce them when needed. Could you say something for us right now, Infringer? I'm serious. Perhaps after the briefing. 
Furthermore, I suggest keeping all valuables like meal, water canisters, and operational equipment out of sight. I also strongly advise against taking anything with you that you don't mind getting stolen, broken, or that would attract attention. You're going to see things in the fringe, indecent things. Though every cell in your body will wish to help prevent some of the atrocities we are set to witness, know that we cannot. Just remind yourself that these are not people. They're fringers. Creatures incapable of altruism, trust, or compassion. It is common to see fringers eating fringers. A severed foot has the worth of pork. While they are violent, attacks generally occur only when they are provoked. Provoking can include stepping into the wrong place at the wrong time, doing the wrong thing around the wrong individuals, having the wrong things in the right place, saying the wrong thing in general, and looking like an easy target. The rules are many. For instance, eye contact is generally bad outside of a building, but only within certain groups. Symbolism is more important than you ever thought before. An empty bullet casing embedded in a doorway means that the room is probably occupied by violent raiders who don't want to be bothered. Most of my knowledge is limited to the eastern fringe, so there will undoubtedly be variants, which is what we're there to document. Another thing to take note of will be the constant changes in pressure and temperature. Unlike Atreus, the fringe does not have constant regional atmospheric control. These changes can make you dizzy, make you vomit, cause nosebleeds, and make your ears pop. You might not know what make your ears pop means just yet, but I can promise you that it's only a mild discomfort associated with atmospheric pressure changes. I regret that I am unable to give you additional information, as the fringe is vastly inconsistent and varied even on a local level. <clears throat> Are there any additional questions? Will we move in standard formation? I would strongly advise against it. So, if feet are pork, what's pumpkin? I've seen them do some rather fancy things with intestines. What is the easiest way to identify a threat? And do we have an interpersonal signal for when to engage diplomatically versus combatively? First, everything in the fringe is either capable of fighting or is closely guarded by such. Second, we should establish words that indicate an upcoming conflict or some form of immediate danger in a given situation. In the past, I've used a scale of sweet, savory, salty, and sour. Sweet means diplomatic, sliding up to sour, which means everything is about to hit the gutter. You'll find that with Fringer dialect, these words can easily be slipped into a sentence. Are there any particularly obvious cultural taboos? While our upcoming mission will give us this information, I found that in the Eastern Fringe, they tend to hate Atrians, so don't compromise our origin. Respect is also very important to Fringers. If you have the opportunity to be respectful, shy of a salute, I found that small pleasantries do well to avoid unnecessary conflict. How can we show respect to these... these aberrations? You simply view them as a series of exploitable commodities. If we scare them off or aggravate them too much, we will not be able to get the information we require. We need to hear the accent. We need to be able to talk to these people. I can't be expected to interview them if I'm not even permitted to talk with them. I just drop extra words in your speech here, punk ass. I need to sound like that? Also, try not to use any words that contain more than three syllables or the word fringer. They generally identify themselves based on a gang affiliation or a similar local tie. When is it appropriate to use words like punk? They typically don't use derogatory slang when speaking with someone of importance, but it's fairly common when dealing with comrades. How do I say, explain to me your intergroup social structure? Who's a boss? And who's his boss? And perhaps, you do a night with those guys? Hmm. I'm gonna die. Dr. Kovsky, Officer Jalo, please come with me. We need to outfit you with the dual citizen mark. I can, uh, speak a, a fringe language. 
That was perfect. So your point, man. What's that entail? It means I'm great at being quiet, and I've got the best eyes in Atreus. Please place your hand into the machine, Dr. Kovsky. This will hurt a little. Ow! Big baby. <sighs> Officer Jalo. See? It wasn't that painful. The swelling should subside in four to six hours. So that's it. I'm officially in Fringer relations. If anyone wants me to bring any messages to your respective family, co-workers, or friends, please record them now, as I will be departing within the hour. Just give you my data pad once I'm done? No, I actually just purchased one of those new Zhao privacy hoods. Just transfer them to me via the shortwave. There's no password or encryption yet. Excellent. Here's a few pre-recorded messages. Don't send the ones marked farewell, though. Unless I... don't come back. I also pre-recorded the message. I didn't do a farewell one, though. I guess it doesn't really matter. I've just got the one file, but it's pretty big. Wow, that was pretty quick. That Zhao. Genius. As this was unexpected, I still need to record mine. Is there anywhere more private? You can use the lavatory, Dr. Kofsky. All right, thanks. Command. Create audiovisual recording message for family. Starting audiovisual recording of message for family. Hey everyone, mom, dad, Luca. Um, I wanted to inform you that I unexpectedly made a great breakthrough in my work. Or at least I will be very soon. Because of this, my department has asked that I rem- uh, that I- Well, I can't really tell you, but I'll be absent for a few weeks. Or more. This thing that's going on is exciting and terrifying at the same time. I've got a new thing I'm working on with a new team. They seem interesting and friendly. Yeah, I think I'll like working with them. I will not be able to receive any communications during my research period, so please don't send any messages. I know I haven't seen you in a while, but know that I'm thinking of you. When I return, I'll have a great cause for celebration, and I'd like to take you out to the Central City for drinks. My treat. Remember the time we celebrated Victory Day at that bar near Jacob West Park? It'll be like that. Only we won't give Luca quite so much alcohol. (laughs) Well, that's all I can really say at the moment. I just wanted to let you know that I miss you. May the Archon watch over you. All of you. Recording ended. Audiovisual message saved. Command. Send the message to interface Tongs. Message sent to Tongs. Thank you all for your time. I'll be sure these messages reach their intended destination. May the Archon watch over you. Bye, Tongs. So, now what? You're in control of the operation, but I suggest that we use what little time we have improving your fringer speak. That would be useful. Let's do that. Damn it, Junkvist! Put down that pumpkin! I had it first, it's mine. <laughs> Today is still the first day of the fifth month in the year 709. It is nearing 2,700 hours. I met my protective detail today. They seem like an interesting collective. Officer Youngfist is something of a jester, but he and Officer Patel are overall pleasant. Officer Jalo is... determined, and I'm glad she'll be watching over us. Best eyes in Atreus, she says, and little seems to escape her. Investigator Rodriguez is difficult to explain. Unless it pertains to the mission, he finds little need to talk. 
I feel as though he's the only one who fully understands what we're getting ourselves into. This morning I thought I was waking up to theoretical models, so the gravity of the situation still has yet to impact me. I'm too afraid to admit to everyone that I'm afraid. <clears throat> Investigator Rodriguez told us some horror stories during the briefing, and Officer Jalo brought up a valid concern. How can we even begin to question something so vastly different from anything we've experienced? On a personal note, I feel as though I made a mistake. I squandered what may have been my final opportunity to speak to my family. I know that I didn't expect this, but my final recording was... inadequate. There's so much more I wish I could have said. It was far too casual. If these records are ever released to the public, Mom, Dad, Luca, sorry about the inadequate message. I love you very much, and we should share meals more often. I, I mean, have dinner more often. <clears throat> sorry, official guy that has to listen to all these logs. These are going to get personal. Welcome, citizen, to the third episode of the Liberty Critical Research Podcast. As your media director, it is my duty to inform you that the following story has been labeled explicit and is intended for mature audiences. Before we begin our broadcast, I would like to introduce Mr. Ben Groff, acting representative of our great archon and creator of Liberty, for an update. Greetings, citizens. I'm Travis Ben Groff, creator of the Liberty Universe and the producer of the show. I wanted to briefly state that seeing the podcast come to life has been an unbelievably positive experience. I've been working for years to create Atreus, and finally sharing it with others has been really fantastic. We on the creative team, and myself specifically, love to hear your feedback. We've been happy to read that people are finally getting to enjoy the world we've worked so hard to create. On behalf of the creative team, thank you for listening, and thank you very much for your support. Now, back to your regularly scheduled broadcast. Aurelia? Thank you, Mr. Vengroff, for your kind statement, and may the Archon watch over you. Now, citizens, stay tuned, and remember, Atreus endures. thing rushes me with a giant pop blade, screaming and spitting blood everywhere. Because you'd shot him like four times. Hey, I'm telling the story, because I'd already shot him like five times. But yeah, so here I am, trying to stop this thing from cutting my head off, with three more of them already in sight, presumably attracted by the sound of gunfire. As pop blade rushes me, we're still waiting on the demo team to blow the damn tunnel. <sighs> Useless, I tell you. Give me anything explosive, and I'd have had it done in four seconds quick. Oh yeah, so Pop Blade trips over something, presumably his own feet, because he must have been on some very serious drugs to still be moving. Anyway, he totally had us. Have you ever worked on any field research, Doctor? There's really no room for field research in theoretical work. What about your experience? In field research? How many years have you been in the field? I'm somewhat like you. I've excelled in all areas of training, but have only been on a few missions. I've never had anything outside the walls before. Some of the stories you hear, though. Officer Rodriguez seems to know what he's doing. He's not an officer. He's with the Bureau of Investigations. I'll believe anything at this point, but he does seem to have an informed understanding of everything. I'd say so. 
Anyone who can live out there and chooses to go back, that's a special kind of person. Is special always an advantage? When it's one of us. I don't think I've ever walked this much in my life. Well, you're going to have to get used to it. There's no sky rail on the fringe. How about you, Officer Leungfist? What's your experience been beyond the wall? Ease up, Dr. K. Just call me Sev. If you keep calling me Officer, you're going to get us all eaten. I like my feet! <laughs> Sev presents a valid concern. Starting now, no official titles should be used. Even Doctor for Dr. K? Only if you want to get him kidnapped. Kovsky. Just, just Kovsky. Kovsky. Alright, I'll go by Kato then. Jalo. Radius. I love this. I'm so glad I don't have to say your last name, Sev. What? Jungfist is a great last name. My boot it is. Have you ever tried saying it four times fast? At least it didn't take my father's surname. It couldn't. It, it couldn't be worse. My father's name was Brutus. Gunterworden Genschimwald. You're not allowed to have any more consonants. What about yours? So tiny. Patel. Doesn't have any substance. Patel. Patel. At least people can spell my name. We're nearly there. Where is there, exactly? An outfitting station located under the south part of the outer wall. It's our final stop before entering into the fringe. The final stop. Everyone, in. The door locks behind us. Is there a light in here? Command. Lights on. Look at all this junk. Come in, Kofsky. There's much to do. I know. I just never thought I'd leave the wall. In primary school, we took a trip to the outer wall once. I always said I'd go over. But I never thought I'd go over. Technically, we're going under. Then you achieved your goal, didn't you? Everyone, in. We need to close the door. It's kind of cluttered in here. Oh... So, how do we get the door open again? You put your mark in the scanner. But we need to get outfitted. Find a set of clothing that fits you, or that's loosely in your size. Fringer clothing does not always match. Is the smell part of the outfit, too? Does anyone have a matching boot for this? Nothing here matches. I'm pretty sure this boot isn't actually a boot. Well, my shirt is really soft, actually. What is this? It's hair. Hair hair? Yes. What? Hair hair. Ugh. Ugh. While your hands are free, you should check this out. I think it's your size. Thanks. Yeah, this poncho fits well enough. What's the symbol? Uh, skull over a poorly drawn woman. It's the symbol of an old gang that died out. Is it safe to wear? Scavenging from the dead is assumed. All right. So yes to the dead gang shirt, but no to the hair cap. Anyone find any pants? Pants here. How does this look? How many layers are you wearing? I don't know. They're all sort of stitched together. I think you look absolutely horrendous. Terrifying and maybe a little disgusting. It's perfect. Well, it smells the way it looks. Anyone have any gloves in their crate? Fringers don't typically wear gloves in my experience. Perfect. I'll be unhygienic as well. I'm fairly certain you're already unhygienic. Punk face. Tin liquor. Sounding like fringers already. At present, I have one boot. You're being too picky, Kofsky. If everything you wear fits, I think fringers will notice something's wrong. If it fits enough, it's nice enough. Here, 
Try these. These pants have holes in them. And a blood stain. But look at all those pockets. You're like Dr. Pocket or Pocket Doctor. No, that sounded awful. Here's a shirt. Ooh, and a jacket. But this one's mine. Looking nice, Kofsky. I like the hood. It's relatively clean, too, in comparison. Patel, put some pants on. I'm trying. I just don't know which hole for... Which hole is for my leg? I don't know which hole is for my leg. It's got leg cover, but limited butt cover. Put this wrap over it. Also, that set of pants in particular has a hidden pocket. Those were mine last time. Uh, thanks? Where's this hidden pocket? Inside the hole on the left thigh. Thanks. Oh, useful. I think I'm prepped. I am as well. Same. I just need to strap on this boot... Great. Now all of us need to apply the solve to our marks. It will deactivate the pigment. Will sensors still be able to detect them? I thought you were smart. The pigment is just so soldiers can see them. The scanners detect chemical signals. I am unsure as to whether or not the salve will block the chemical signal which is released through the pores on our hand. If these are blocked, it is possible the mark would go unnoticed by scanners. It won't affect the chemical signal. I've never seen my hand like this before. All right. Everyone pick up one of the rucksacks from the table at the end of the room. These contain our rations. Open the bags. Scatter the objects on your person in pockets and niches where available. Some of you also have shoulder bags. Remove and utilize them. A stolen sack should not mean everything is lost. Also, each of you will notice a locker with your name on it. Place your personal items inside it. There's also a close combat weapon made from scrap and a replica of your weapons of choice. These won't look like the firearms you're used to, but a surprising amount of effort went into making sure they function properly and feel right. Again with the skulls. Why does my gun look like it's covered in doodles I made in primary school? In yellow, no less. Wait, seriously? I got the only brightly painted gun? It matches your colorful personality. Ooh, mine is a knife affixed to the front. You got a bayonet? Is there a cover for this? I'm afraid to cut myself. Here's a rag and a tie. We're going to spend a few more hours here. We're waiting for dawn. Rest up now, as this is the safest we'll be for a long time. That is one order I will have no difficulty complying with. This morning, I was on the A Skyrail. You'll be back, getting shoved by people on their way to do what they do, listening to loud announcers flooded by advertisements soon enough. Think of it as a vacation from civility. You always take vacations from civility, Cato. Don't you understand? This isn't a vacation. This isn't going to be easy. This isn't anything anyone should ever want. We'll complete our mission, we'll return home, and you'll be happy to be shoved on the sky rail. Sorry, just trying to keep things light. There's a place for seriousness, Sev. Get some rest. I've already completed two of these today. It's still the first day of the fifth month in the year 709. It's nearing 3,600 hours. We've been outfitted, and tomorrow we... Hey, is that an audio recorder? Go back to sleep. We leave tomorrow morning for the French. I'm tired, and that's all I have to report for now. Hi, Mrs. Tongs. Night.
right, behind the stores and atmospheric chamber. Atmospheric what? A room that will acclimate us to the current atmospheric pressure and temperature of the fringe. What's the purpose of such a room? Isn't the pressure close enough to Atreus to not really be an issue? It's not for health reasons. It serves a tactical purpose. Just get in. I understand what you mean about ears popping now. Uh, uh, uh. We've now reached the atmospheric pressure of the fringe. The door on the opposite side will lead us into the basement of one of our remote research stations. No one's been here to check on the station for a few months, so be on your guard. It is currently 0900 hours, and we are entering the basement of a remote research station in Sector... If you do that now, they will hear us. I will let them kill you. I'll take point. I'm the pointman. Until you have a better understanding of the fringe, I will be establishing whether what we encounter is a threat. I'll take point. You follow up, followed by Kato, Kofsky, and... Sev. Reeve, what's that smell? Shh! Be quiet! Why'd we stop? Contacts ahead. Four. We're okay, though. They look strung out. Stung out? They're currently incapacitated by the influence of some substance. Let's continue moving. They're more of a threat to themselves than they are to us currently. Would they be suitable for interview? No. Archon, they smell awful. I think that one's dead. I think he's trying to communicate with us. You won't get anything coherent from him, Kofsky. Keep moving. welded shut. We're going out the window. Before we leave this somewhat safe location, uh, may I record our surroundings? You have two minutes. Day one of the excursion to the southern fringe. We entered into the safe house and discovered that it was littered with tiny scraps of metal, plastic, broken glass, and dirt. They clearly do not value cleanliness as we do. Uh, Hey, Sev, what is this? That's a... Spent bullet casing. Oh. Um, we also found people, er, fringers, uh, four of them, slumped in a heap under the influence of some currently unknown substance. As I'm unable to speak with them currently, and they do not seem cognitively aware of my existence, we are moving on. Through a window, as the door was apparently sealed. Through the window I can see the fringe for the first time. Despite its dilapidated nature... The open streets almost seem inviting, and I'm first drawn to the height of the buildings on either side of the main road, which are significantly shorter than those found in Atreus. The buildings appear uncared for. Smashed windows outnumber whole. Bird marks and pock marks are also very prevalent on the road as well as on the sides of the buildings. 
There's a general emptiness I was not expecting. All right, time's finished. That's all for now. Contact 30 degrees. Two more at 270. Gradius, could you assess whether or not either of these contacts are viable reservoirs of information? The two on the left appear to be together, a water carrier with protection. The loner ahead looks like a scavenger. I would surmise that the scavenger would be a fair source of information. They have a tendency to cover large areas. The pair would be a risky gamble as they might see our approach as a threat. Thank you. Can we move in the direction of the scavenger? Follow me. Jalo, we're not supposed to keep formation. Stop standing so tall. And you should be talking, all any speak. Any? Inner city idiot. Shit, Jalo. Where'd you hear that? I was inspirationized. Inspirationalized. Really? Shut it, Seb. Shallow, you good. Oi, you. Ain't got nothing you want. Scrap. Just just scrap. I squares. Yeah, but I got something you want. All I need is a bit of talk. Okay. Keep back, though. Always, yeah. I'll give you talk for stuff. Kofsky. <clears throat> uh, ask him... Ask him what he's looking for. I could tell you that. It doesn't mean anything if it comes from you. Oi, what you after? What kind of question is that? It's mine. You want stuff or what? <laughs> Uses. Okay, I'm looking f- for scrap. Brass, hits, little tufts, you know, anything worth a bit to someone. What is, what is hits? What is little tufts? Can I answer that one? Fine. Ask him what he plans to do with this scrap. What you do with scrap? Why are you picking it? You got a toothache? Toothache? You take bad drugs? My deal's about to walk unless you start playing nice. Okay. Y'all starving, walking up here, talking like you don't know. Everyone know. I just scrap in the streets. My scrap is for Lady Lawns. She owned his street and she owned me. All my scrap for the big lady. My scrap goes redone, my brass goes to the ammo bros uptown, and my hits get used by users. Oh, there is a structure. He's on the bottom. There's a big lady on top. Ask about the big lady. Is it a gang? Is this a gang thing? Who's the big lady? She run your gang? Ah, fresh flesh we got here. I knew the lady loans. She's the big lady running the shale, she dids. You want your hit? We got your bit. You talk to big lady? No, 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 not me. My scrap goes to makers. Makers making his stuff for soldiers. Soldiers stand with the big lady. Social stratification. Ask him why he does it. Does what? Why he's a scavenger. Why you do this? <laughs> you paying me. <laughs> no. Why you pick scrap for the shale? Do I look like I want to be dead? Fresh flesh you might be, but a lot of you won't be here if you don't join the shale. You gonna give me something? We have incoming contacts at 180. Four of them. Shale got a mark? A symbol? Yeah, she had a red bottle on gray. Nice. Here's something. Ooh, not bad. Cracked, but okay. Let's move out. You weren't joking about those changes in pressure. Man. Anyone got a tissue? So is that the kind of stuff you need, Kofsky? While it's great that he cooperated considerably well, it was only a single percent of the data I'll need for this one gang alone. It seems to be complex enough that each gang or group is, in itself, going to be a difficult job to document. Gangs form and disband daily. I would suggest choosing a small yet specific set of gangs to document. Shale seems like a great start. 
Before we decide on a specific gang, we should get a better understanding of what trait sustains them. We've only interviewed one Fringer from one gang. I believe we need a larger survey before we make any final decisions. What about that... person? She's alone, but stay on your guard. A group of four contacts is crossing the street at 180 to 200. That was eloquent. Just want to make sure Kofsky also understands. I underst... I get it. Oi, you! Stay back! Oi, we want to talk. I got boom pop. Back off while I walk off. Contact has a gun. I. That was exciting. Boom pop? I think my nephew called it boom pop. Are you all right, Kofsky? That's... I'm fine. I guess we'll find someone else. I don't like having guns pointed at me either. How are you all feeling, physically? Well. Well. I'm kind of hungry. Yeah, I'm getting hungry as well. Since it's still light out, this would be a great time to find shelter and eat. Shelter? Is the weather expected to change? No, but eating in public might be an unnecessary risk. That adds to eight. There's a warehouse over at 270. Looks securable. It's already occupied. From what I understand, those paint markings denote occupancy. 30 degrees, that building. Let's move. This is my fourth recording for today. It's nearing 2100 hours, and we've been in the fringe almost an entire day now. After we finished lunch, we went back outside and explored three more blocks. I was able to interview two additional individuals. We found an enforcer, though he identified himself as a soldier of the shale. For more information regarding this, please see the additional supplement notes labeled Shale Interview 2. We also encountered a sexual worker. He gave us a wealth of information for proper compensation and informed us quite regularly of his establishment. I believe that these brothel institutions may be of use as bounty information, as they are common meeting grounds for individuals from many gangs and occupations. For more on my interview with the Sark sex workers, see additional supplement notes, Sark Interview 1. I found it very surprising that much of my previous theoretical work based around fringers having social structures is proving so true. This was entirely unexpected, but I suppose that this whole excursion was as well. We continued walking for a few hours after the Sark interview, but it was fairly difficult to find additional subjects. Fringers have been conditioned to be easily frightened and distrusting. While our group is small, we have been perceived as a threat in multiple instances. I attribute this to Gradius and Sev's intimidating presence. They really look the part. (laughs) Most of the fringe we've seen so far is rather empty and desolate. Fringers themselves are surprisingly few and far between and always appear somewhat exhausted. Gradius recently informed us that Fringers are generally nocturnal, so this fits with previous observations. I have yet to experience the full extent of Fringe activity at night, and am intrigued at the prospect of seeing more of them interact with one another, as opposed to us. Even given our research so far, this has been a harrowing experience. I've had a gun pointed at me for the first time in my life. Someone tried to steal equipment from Patel, I've seen Fringers so intoxicated that they could not discern hallucination from reality. Thirty minutes ago, after we had entered into the basement for the night and had relaxed some, a pile of rags in the corner sprang towards me. It was a Fringer, an adult male covered in dirt and scars. What teeth he had were filed to points, and he had a weapon made from scrap. That single moment felt like a minute. I'm surprised that I can even remember as much detail because it was dark and happened so quickly. I just couldn't move. 
but before he could reach me, Gradius was on top of him, wrestling him for control of the weapon. Jala was there a moment later, and shortly after, the group was disposing of the body of the Fringer. Despite this, we are currently still in the basement. It's a small enough area for the team to guard, and it seems to only have one access point to the upper levels. My team has agreed to sleep in shifts, and thankfully, I just get to sleep, if I can. It smells terrible here. I smell terrible. Well, that about spans the day. I will talk with you tomorrow, Archivist. I hope you take a few extra moments to appreciate your shower this evening. This is Dr. Bartolokovsky, and this is the end of the first day. Fringers. Something is going on. Our choice of shelter is really rather poor. What's going on? The Fringers came into the building. Currently, they do not appear to be doing anything, and they don't seem to know we are here. But what are they doing? We don't know. Can I record them? Just be quiet. Fine. They can't hear it. This way. We've been waiting too long, Postface. You all want to trade with us? Well, we got two crates, saying we does. Let's see it. Water tokens first. Show them up. You seem jitters. I don't like it. Nah, nah, sorry. Let's try this again. We're all here for a trade. Let's just be easy. Yeah, where's meal? We got crates. Look. Brutus, open the crate. See? Meal, lot of it. We got the good taste, Buy the Archon. This is a trade deal. Their economic system. Shut it. Alright, so y'all wanted a deal and did break goods. Let's talk. Okay, my band here is getting big. We need more drink than we got in the ham. Now we know these gooder tasties are worth a bit smaller than last trade. It ain't no green. What you think of the trade? These blue tasty, sealed and fresh, hard to find. We need two moons of water for the whole They day. don't understand what meal is. How many are you? They're calling it blue. Kofsky, I will kill blue. you. Yeah. For two blue, we can do two moons for half of you. If there was pink, we'd be easy. Blue's all I got, but I need two moons for twenty. What'll I do with half? Cut out the week. Yeah, but... See, we, we want to be growing, not dying. You got the chips for plenty on you? Yeah, right here. Wanna try some? Nah. Hey, how about we give you three crates of blue for twenty and two? <laughs> it rhymed. Make the third an orange. Fuck! A starving orange? We can't do that, but we got a yellow. How's that? Two blues and a yellow gets you nineteen for two moons. Hmm. Okay, we got a deal, my man. 
We leave the blue tasties. You wait a bit for me and my pulses to be back with a crate of yellows. Okay. Shit. That one pulled a knife. Get out! Six just killed the other nine without firearms. Shut it. We gonna eat good now. Hey, Bass. Can we crack a blue? We did win. No. How else we gonna play this again? Try that. He looks clean Are they? Are they doing what I think they're doing? They need to cook the meat. Kofsky. I think you have blood in your hair. Look, look here, look at that. This, this smell's gonna get to me. I agree. You need to be quiet. What are you watching? How much is that? Five moons each? Two moons, Pez. Two moons. Oh, I know that. I was making sure you know. Sure, Pez. Just turn that lid over. Won't we'll cook good. Whoa, boss. This one had recoil dice. There ain't no such thing as luck of gods. Take the damned things if you want. I actually want. I found it. It's mine. Well, I want his jacket. And his boots. Okay. We'll be taking everything soon enough. This one had bullets. Rightfully bullets. Now we need to rightfully. I got someone who can get some. They're blocking our exit. Conflict with them still poses a risk to the mission. I'm still recording. Some of the things they're saying will be a great resource for later. But for now, I'd really like to not be here. Great Archon, that smell. Hold it together. Hey, guys. You were right, Gradius. They do like feet. Hey, guys. Over here. Where that rag guy was, I, I think there's a hole. I'm going to investigate. I'll go with you. Is the light up yet? Is that enough? Give it more. I like mine crispy. Jalo, Kato says that hole opens to a tunnel. Looks like a way out. <laughs> Kato and Sev found a way out. It's over there. Don't know where it leads. I advise against taking it. That works. We can just wait this out. I imagine they won't wait around indefinitely. Like a recoil with me. I say there ain't no locker guards already. My April says otherwise. Where's the recoil station? The dice is actually supposed to land where you can't get it. But, hey. Fuck! It got more pulses down there. Through the tunnel, now. This way! We can't fit through there. If Sev can, two of you can. Go. Ah, all right. Keep moving! The tunnel gets larger! Right! Make a right! That's left! Left! Left, left, left! Stop! They don't appear to be following us. Archon! Protect us! They were going to eat us! I don't think they came into the tunnel. 
Look at the stuff on the walls. Are those common symbols? Do you know anything, Gradius? They're everywhere. Every few meters. One then the other. One then the other. One then the other. Shh. I want to make sure we weren't followed. We weren't. Trust me. They wouldn't be foolish enough to follow us into the hive. who chased us in here are most likely no longer interested in us. When we left, they were eating a guy. I'm not even sure how we got here. We took a right. Or, or a left. Then a left. Or, or a right. Keep your voice down. We may attract attention. Attention, Gradius? I have yet to locate a single Fringer in these tunnels. In this dark, no one could find us anyway. The Fringe is a scary place to be, Jalo. Your best eyes on Atreus are nothing here. Everyone check your gear. The night specs should feel like a small grooved rectangle, slightly larger than a meal canister. Wow. Whoa. Those symbols. They are everywhere. What did you call this place, Gradius? The Hive. These symbols are notorious, even in the eastern fringe. They mark the territory of a specific gang. The Dark Kin. The Hive denotes a collective, and Dark Kin refers to familial ties. You should have told me earlier about this form of social structure. Kofsky, your interest in social structure is the least of my concerns right now. Gradius, Kofsky, I think something just moved down that corridor. I didn't see anything, Jala. Don't swing your head so fast, or the night vision plays tricks through your head. Perhaps. No. These dark kin can see you. Don't second-guess yourself. Jalo, take point. We're moving away from what you saw. Watch for the symbols, everyone. Shit! Jalo, you were right. I think I saw something move behind us. Fast, too. We are in their territory. Keep moving. I need more information, Gradius. These dark kin obviously know the layout well, but we would see approaching lights before they ever spotted us in the dark. Unless they have a working camera system. <laughs> but I very much doubt that. They don't need cameras, Kofsky. They don't only know these tunnels. Some of them don't know anything else. Guys, something is definitely back there. Small, but there. What being needs cameras when its eyes see in the dark as though it were day. The hive we have disturbed is menacing and not accepting of visitors. What do you mean, see in the dark? How'd they get their hands on night-spec technology all the way out here in the fringe? They can see in it. Plain as we can see at midday. From what I know, it's drugs or mutations. I've heard stories, but the dark confactions in the eastern fringe are minuscule compared to the south and west. Would you kindly share some of those stories? They are called many names. Blood warriors, the deathless. Stories usually involve finding darkkin victims completely drained of blood, or pulled into the dark hives never to be seen again. 
Their warriors are also known for shrugging off bullets, and their scouts for never tiring. Dark kin are avoided. Are we meant to believe such stories? Stories spur from some truth. What interests me is that this group terrifies any stranger I have talked with. Hmm. Nothing but more tunnels ahead so far. Should we break to a side tunnel? These symbols, they are astonishing. Are they a language? Are you talking to me? I've only identified a few separate symbols, so perhaps they are representative of multiple Darkkin factions. You're not talking to me. Ah! My recorder is still on! Absolutely more than one now. So, side tunnel? Wherever we go, Jalo. Let's get there faster. How many contacts, Kato? Two, three, maybe four. They're still far and small, but very fast. Jalo, turn to the next side tunnel to the left. Kofsky, take your notes in silence. Kato, Seb, keep watching those contacts. They're most likely scouts, so get a solid count of their numbers. Three is my best guess so far. Fuck! No, four. Confirming four, if not more. These things are looking straight at us, though. Feet of pitch black, and they're looking straight at us. These tunnels are a maze. It's going to take time. These scouts will most likely find us interesting, but not interesting enough to report. Don't do anything stupid. These things look disgusting, Kato. But vastly different from the ones on patrols in no man's land. These things look dead. Maybe it's just the night specs, but they look gangly and man... What? Rotted? I'm too scared to look back, but could you continue describing them to me? I don't know, Kofsky. They're a bit green, but that might be the night specs. Yeah. They're far away, and I can't really tell how tall they are, because they're moving really low to the ground. Why did I even turn my recorder off? I guess they're about our height, but they look extremely malnourished. Uh, Sev? Yeah? Did you see that? What? Five. Damnation, I think there's five. Does it look like they're getting closer to you? Because I think it looks like they're getting closer to me. No. I I think they're keeping about the same distance. Don't second-guess yourself. Shallow, pick up the pace. Gradius, we've come to another split. I'm fairly certain I see some of those things down one of the halls. If we're invading their territory, they're most likely protecting it. Head down the unprotected halls. You heard him. Get moving. If we just keep running, I'm never going to acquire any information for my report. I was assigned to keep you alive. If you die, you won't get any information. If we ever get out of here, I'm going to take all of you to the park, where there's the sun, open spaces, no crazy things chasing us, just a nice, lazy day. I see more up ahead. Right corridor. Then go left. Kato, keep your eyes on the right as we pass. Confirmed. I'm fairly certain that they're keeping their distance. Sort of. About two of them, down that hallway. And about five of them behind us. <gasps> One of them was right there. It just ran off. <sighs> what did it look like? I don't know. Scary, white, gangly, smelly. This whole place is smelly. It had tattoos. I think. Or maybe pattern scarring. And short hair. Did you notice any of the reoccurring symbols on the tattoos or scarring? Hey, speaking of symbols, where did the symbols go? Keep your eyes on the contacts, Kato. Sorry. Oh, Reef, there's only one now. Where'd he go? You're right, though. There are no longer symbols on the walls. It gets narrow up ahead, guys. We can either squeeze through or turn around and go a different way. Kato, any alternatives back there? 
Not that aren't already occupied. It looks like it gets wider soon after. There was maybe some sort of collapse here, but most of the debris appears to have been taken away. Or perhaps they simply cut into a new tunnel. The longer we stay still, the closer they get. I say tiny tunnel, great tunnel. Let's maybe start moving again. Let's go. We'll watch for possible hostiles on the other side. I don't like the idea of being ambushed. I already checked the corners. We should be clear. Kato, take Sev's watch. Shallow, let Sev take point. Sev, ready up for close quarters. Already on it. The side's clear. We could potentially choke the ones following us here, so there's only one corridor ahead. It's extremely defensible. It defeats the purpose of a scientific expedition if we kill the population we're supposed to be interviewing. Keep moving. Do we go left? No, we don't go left. There are creepy monster things. Do we go right? Yes, we go right. Without the singing. This place is a maze. I can't be sure we're not traveling in circles. Hey guys, just so you know, there's a few more of them now, I think. Can we move a little bit faster? Jalo, take point. We're clear. Kato, I've got your back. Your small, two-syllable back. I bet if you just yelled your father's name at them, they'd run away. No yelling. (laughs) I don't see any of the symbols anymore. I feel as though we're outside of their territory now. Do they seem to be following us through the collapsed portion? It's impossible to tell. We already turned a corner. Wait. There's a straggler now. I think he's alone. A lonely, gangly straggler. Want to interview Akovsky? Keep moving. Another split. Forward and right. About three contacts on the right. Sneaky and fast. I thought we were out of their territory. Perhaps, but that doesn't mean we're safe yet. Remember that time? Not now. Looks like we're coming to a dead end up ahead. Are you sure? It appears so, unless the night specs are playing tricks. For Reef's sake, please don't let it be a dead end. We've still got contacts back here. At least five still. But... A couple of pipes. Too small, even for Kofsky. We're out of tunnel. It looks like... Yeah. They're holding a general position. About 20 meters out. They're just... I'm not sure. Maybe... Bobbing? Like swaying back and forth. Shit, this is creepy. What else? What's going on? I just told you. They're bobbing and swaying. But they're crouched and still looking straight at us. Night specs make it hard to ascertain details, Kovsky. Tunnel! Shit! It's gone! Did they lock us out of their territory? No, you fool. They locked us in a trap. We were following their guide the entire time. The pipes. Something's coming in. It's gas. Stuff them. Hold your breath. <laughs> What's this? We've got a whole lot to haul. Take back to the elders. Sure got a lot of buttons.
Tarkovsky? What? Thank the Archon <coughs> you're alive. Alive? Why wouldn't... Why wouldn't I... Keep your voice down, Kofsky. They haven't noticed that we're awake yet. It's still fairly dark. Is everyone alright? Yeah. They're just across from us. Can you move? No. I'm tied to this post. Are you tied up? We all are. These guys sure know how to tie a knot, don't they? I'm just trying to cheer you up. Someone's coming. No, 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 let go. Take them, take them. Though on me, got drugs on my blood. Bad stuff, poison. No! Shit, man, they just killed that guy. <clears throat> Drained him. They want the blood. We're safe for now, though, right? I mean, how much blood can they need at once? You're all awake now. Good. I'll return shortly. Our war father has questions. Where the fringe did he come from? Was he here the whole time? I think he's gone. What's a war father? Where's my recorder? I really don't think the mission should be our biggest concern at the moment, Kofsky. Once they return, remember, I am the leader of our gang. So let me do the talking. Yeah, what's the name of our group? I don't know just yet. Just be quiet until I can... <coughs> until I can discern what their intentions are, and if they might be particularly hostile towards whatever we claim to be. Why don't we just claim to be someone they've never heard of? Uh, make something up. We could do that, right? It's risky, but less risky than choosing the name of an enemy. I want to be the Bloody Bandits. Yeah, the Bloody Bandits. That's a horrible name. Can we not bring up blood in front of the bloody people? What about, uh... They're coming. The traitors. Here they are. Five in all. And who are you that would enter the tunnels, our home? We are strangers who know little of the South. That tells me what you are, but not who you are. We are a band known simply as the Traitors. Band? What a rare word. Almost as rare as the things you carried with you. As the Traitors, what is it that you trade? We trade many things. Things that are neither living nor of vital importance. Again with riddles. Where are the goods you protect with such fierce armaments? In our heads, for our trade is information. Your fine tongue is much like our own. Be you talesmen then? Storytellers? Warfathers in your own right? We are protectors of our talesmen. The little one. It has to be the little one. Is this true, small one? Are you a man of knowledge? Why, yes. It is truly what I am. Hmm. Tell me of where you are from. We are from far, far north, where knowledge was at one time appreciated. We were sent by our talesman kind to collect tales. We have encountered hardship driving us into your tunnels, 
We want only to collect our tales and share them to our people in the far north. Very interesting. <laughs> Are you a good storyteller, then? I've trained for years to be such a man of knowledge. Hmm. Well, then, tell me a story, talesman. Any particular type of story? Surprise me. Uh, okay, um... Where I come from, there is a story. A story of our ancestors. A long time ago, when the sky was dark, there was a tribe weakened from their struggles who took to rest in the lowest ground. They had with them a quiet man, soft and strong, who took to beating on the ground. While they hid from their pursuers, this quiet man dug, ripping stone and dirt from the ground below. His digging was so loud the others feared it would attract their pursuers, so they asked their quiet man to stop. The quiet man shook his head and kept digging. The hole grew deeper and deeper, but their pursuers grew closer and closer. Next, his kind threatened him, telling the quiet man he would be hurt if he did not stop. But the quiet man, the massive rock thrower, dug and dug. It was time for decisions to be made, and the tribe decided that the quiet man must be killed to save the lot of them. The quiet man's brother was set to the task and given their heaviest blade. As he stood behind his sunken brother and raised the blade, nothing but rock and dirt came from the hole. Finally, as the great blade came swinging down, the great black rock came shooting up, snapping the blade in two. The enemies bore down upon the tribe, but as they dove, so rose the great quiet man from the hole. He was no longer his brother's brother. The quiet man was black of eye and swift of action, knocking apart the attackers with ease. With a ferocity unlike the quiet man, he placed their heads in the hole and spoke. Here I am, watcher of your people. Bury these heads, take of their possessions, and know of the quiet god who dwells in the lowest mines and in the lowest depths. I know not of the quiet god, but you have a talented tongue, and we may let you keep it. I will return shortly. Archon Kofsky, where did you hear that story? Uh, actually, that was a mix of about four recurring nightmares and a study from several years ago on fringer mental abnormalities. Kofsky, you and your sweet, sweet brain, you just, you just made up a god. I told a story, Sev. Deities are figments of the imagination. But they are culturally prevalent out here. You either just kept our blood in our bodies or got us all drained dry. But I hope you can pull more of those fancy tales out of your educated mind, or we might be dead regardless. More? You really think he'll want more? Someone is coming. Hush it. You are requested. We will untie you. You are unarmed, and more of us stand in these shadows than your eyes will ever see. So please, follow me. Tell me, tale-teller man, how do the plucky heroes get out of this one? Intelligence and wit, uh, I suppose. Or they don't. Gradius, destroyer of dreams. Be quiet back there. You are to be presented to the elders. 
Show respect. Stay quiet unless spoken to. We dark kin know of the power of words and of the deities they hold. You have trespassed on our land, and our ways must be upheld. The consensus of the elders was simple. To death and drink for the trespassers. But I have told them of your travels, talesmen of the northern traders, and we have what you will clearly see as the more appealing option. Would you hear our offer, talesman? I would. We would. Elder Saya will present the terms. We, elders assembled here, want to give unto you the knowledge of our tales. The knowledge of the great goddess and her children, and have you go forth with them. As a talesman, you are well equipped, as our own warfather is, to stir life into words. We present you this. Listen, remember, and spread the stories of our kin to those ignorant of our ways. If you do this, talesman, we will spare you. And three of your protectors. What say you? Uh, I have four. Four vital protectors with me in my travels from our home in the north. Three is correct. It is customary to bleed you all for your trespass. But though the lower of our kin want this tradition upheld, we elders speak for reason. Our cups are nearly full, our sight is sharp, and the very gods themselves are wanting. Do you agree to our terms? Are there any other options? You accept our terms, or none of you will see the moons again. May I consult my protective entourage? You may. Well, I know I can personally take down, like, eight of these guys. They're kind of old, but that still leaves, like, maybe 20. What do we do? We take the deal. No. It's the only way. We are not leaving anyone behind. Then we're all dying here. This is the first time I've had an opportunity for diplomacy. Even if it's a poor deal, we all knew what we were getting into, and it's our obligation to bring our findings back to Tongs. What findings? They took everything! They took the data pad, recorder, they, they took my notes. When they release you, they'll most likely return your items. They wouldn't tell you their stories just so you could walk back into the fringe unarmed and die. That's logical. Wait, you? I would sacrifice myself for the well-being of this mission. We kind of need Gradius. He's our guide. He knows everything. I doubt we can even find our way back. Then who? That's not going to be me or Kofsky. That leaves our close quarter specialist, our point man, or our interface specialist. Remove yourself personally from the situation, and it's an easy decision. Reed, Gradius, they're people! It's me, isn't it? Fuck. Fuck, fuck, fuck.
No, you, you can't be serious. No, no, no. It's decided then. No objections. I, I can't do this. I, I'm not presenting Cato to these monsters. You will, or they'll kill all of Enough. us. Enough. Who among you is the sacrifice? If your clan has any dignity, let this one step forward. I am. It's me. Shit. Good. Take him away. Warfather, prepare the tales. Let in the masses. I, Elder Sawyer of the King, present to you our Grand Warfather, so that he may say unto you the stories of our people. Warfather, we are here today, my kin, to tell these strangers of our kind's great mother, Ray. The grandmother of our beloved gods was the first and only for a time. She is night and life, and all has come from her. The first of her born was Braeus, a daughter unparalleled to this day in the power of light. They lived harmoniously until Rei bore more children. When Rei turned her gaze to her new sons, Reyes grew jealous and her mind began to turn against her kin. No! Do not disgrace Reyes, only daughter of our Grand Rei as she is to be respected and feared. With her harmful light and rays embracing darkness, they crafted our land and created its people, a balance of those who dwell in the light and those that dwell in the dark. But she, in her light and glory, was wicked. Our grandmother, Rei, worked tirelessly from the beginning of time, and it was from the eternal shadow brazier that she grew. From it, Rei drank her fill, drew her everlasting power, and from its grasping shadows, Reyes would craft her future betrayal. Time passed, and Rei bore Prabius, a fighter unlike the world has seen or will see. Rei was proud of Prabius and commanded him with fashioning the ways of war for the world to come. He crafted armies, and for some of his warriors, he bestowed upon them the highest honor, the protection of his siblings. Grandmother Rei then bore her second son, 
Bryson. Bryson grew up to be weak and full of cowardice. He possessed powers, yes, but not that of Crabius or Braeus. As her children grew, our grandmother turned her attention more and more towards her sons, and Braeus felt this loss. It grew within her, turning to a jealousy that burned as dark as the Chateau Brazier itself. And so, after generations of creation, the first turmoil of the gods began! Yes! And so it was that Reyes slipped every morning to the side of Brython to whisper into his weak mind the lies. She first told him of the shadow brazier and how it fed their grandmother, and this was true. But she added to the truth these lies. That the shadow brazier was not only feeding their mother, but that it bound her power, bound her from reaching her potential, and it took from her just as it gave. She told him of how much happier and how much stronger their grandmother would be if the brazier was cast down. And with this, Braeus wept, mournful that she could not in her power destroy the brazier and release their grandmother from its snare. And for these lies, Brython fell. Brabius, a strong brother, Respectful and giving to his kin, had given unto Brython a pack of warriors trained with complete loyalty. These warriors followed without question the orders of Brython, no longer warriors of Prabius. So, on the day of a grand storytelling, of stories unknown by our ancestor kin, Ray and Braeus listened delightfully to the tale-teller, and as they did, the shadow brazier was left unattended. Brython and his warriors rushed into the hall of the eternal brazier, but their advance was noted by the sharp senses of Prabius. Crabius cried out for Brython's action, and when he discovered his brother's intent, he drew up Heartseeker, his weapon of valor. With great strides in battle against his own warriors, Crabius fought to stop his brother from casting down and destroying the Shadow Brazier. But he was too late to stop the brazier's overturning, and from the spill of darkness crawled Hegeros, the unseen shadow that had lived forever unknown at the base of the brazier. Frightened, Brython cast himself back, 
forgetting in his cowardice to destroy the brazier entirely. Prabius, having destroyed his foes, but near death, faced Hegeros, casting the Faceless One back into the shadows, but loose upon the world. He then turned to face Brython, who fled before the sight of his brother's rage. Having saved the brazier from destruction, Crabius righted it, and from his body spilled his blood. Great Crabius, son of Rei, did there die of vicious wounds. As his warriors, our ancestors, reached the place of battle, they bore witness to Chinoe, the burning rage rising up from the blood of Brabius. Chinoe, the rage of betrayal, the urge for the hunt, called upon the warriors to follow him in pursuit of the coward Brython to avenge this indignity against their grandmother, Rei. At the Tale Tellers, Rei had felt the power of the brazier spill over, and her grand and life-giving darkness shrank. Her power dwindled, and she turned to her daughter for aid, only to see betrayal in her eyes. With her remaining power, Rei bore her third son, Lyacus, the seer, who, if only then living, could have foreseen this tragedy. Breus stood then, above her mother, her blinding light weakening Rei further, and in her wrath, Breus plucked light from the air and bound her mother with her living creation. But Lyacus was not afraid, for he knew that the light could not overwhelm the darkness fully, and from his shadow stirred Hegeros, who grasped the mother of darkness and bringer of night down into the shadows of the world, safe from Braeus's light. And so it was that Rei was hidden away from the brazier, empty of its past power, and there she sits even now, her feet bound in Braeus's living light, waiting for its power to return her to glory. For if her darkness ever dies, all will burn in the light of Braeus. Down on our lower plane, we are but tools and followers of our grandmother, Rei. And for each sacrifice in her name, we fill the brazier and fuel her power, but only slightly. To this very night, Shinoe still leads the great hunt for the great betrayer, while Breus, more powerful than even her kin, 
travels the world to spread her light each day. And this, my kin, my guests, is the origin of our ways. We, the huntsmen of Chinoe, the facers of Hegaros, the believers of Lyarchus, the followers of Pravius, and the kin of the night, must give unto Grandmother Ray that which gives her power, the ethereal blood. They're crazy. Every last one of them's crazy. That's why they took Cato. Some religious ravings, some grandmother. And now, what? We spread their crazy, all up in the other crazy, and we live. We can still save them. Maybe Stay silent. Kofsky's in charge. Kofsky, get our stuff back. This war, father, was an honor to hear. The greatness of our grandmother. Children and kin... We have guests in our midst. Our guests have given their contribution to Ray. They are not here to feed her darkness, but to spread her word. We, elders, introduce you to the talesmen of the traders of the North. So, now we are set to release you, talesmen and entourage to spread our word with your tales. Have you any questions of us kin before returning to the surface? We, the traders from the north, uh, await our return to the surface, but the south is new to us, and we, we require the return of our items. Our possessions protect us, and they will protect your tales as I spread them. Uh, can they be returned? Certainly, certainly. You come away from our darkened home with knowledge of our kin, with knowledge of the true dark. We will send you to the surface, and once there, our scouts will give over your possessions. Protect yourselves, traitors. Spread the truth. Your story will be known by others through us. Hear this, children and kindred. And no, we grow. There, we will have our items and our freedom. Cato's gone and you talk of freedom? Should we just bow down? Let them kill us all? Should we feed their grandmother and forego our mission? Yes, Cato is gone. But unless you want to go with him, you had better rethink your priorities. We're going to get out of here. And what's waiting up there is just as demented. He is right, Sev. We need to focus. Fine. Let us all partake of a grand feast in honor of our warfather and of the sharing of our knowledge. Brother Heprin, you and your brothers shall bring the traders to the surface. Stand. Walk with us. the peoples from the north speak as your kin do. What? Those on the surface. Their language is short and undignified. You do not speak as they do. You speak like the kin. Many of the people in the north speak in this manner. Mm. 
I suppose a talesman must be understood by everyone. Here. This is the way up. What? Uh, already? It's a longer climb than you think. But it shall lead you to the surface. What about our possessions? They're waiting for you at the surface. How can we trust it? You have no other alternative. Go. I'll go first. Part of me is glad I can't see how high up we are. I hadn't thought of it that way. Reeve, why are some of these rungs sticky? Just keep climbing. We're near the surface. You said that three were near the surfaces ago. Just keep climbing. Do we even want to reach the surface? All we're doing is trading one horror for another. At least the surface will be one step closer to home. For some of us. We've reached the top. Thank Reef. Open it. Open it. Give me a moment. I need to get a better footing. I wonder how far up we are. Don't want to think about it. Don't want to think about it. Jalo, don't look down once you're up. Thanks. Great Archon, don't look down. It just goes black. Could go on forever. Huh. Our stuff is up here. I'm surprised they even considered returning our firearms and meal. Some of my meal is missing. But I guess they can't control their guards all the time. This room appears to be covered in their markings. I'd suspect few would venture here, which would explain why it's abandoned. Check your packs, check your gear, make sure everything works, and get some rest. The room is clear. I'll take first watch. An excellent idea. No sense in checking everything on an empty stomach. I'd like to dedicate this meal to our dear friend, my partner of many years. Officer Kato Patel. To Kato. To Kato. My recorder! There it is! Uh, oh, it's on. Hmm. Reeve. There's perhaps hours of recordings on here. I almost feel guilty for the person who has to edit and archive it all. Hmm. Let's start a new track. This is Dr. Martolokovsky, and today is the day. I don't know what day it is yet, or what time. I'll log that later. Tonight, or today, at some point, we lost Kato. We were captured by a fringe gang known as the Darkkin, whose territory we had unknowingly trespassed in. They can, apparently, see in the dark. See supplemental notes for more information on the kin. We were captured, and Kato gave his life so that we could escape. He volunteered, sort of. The Darkkin told us stories. The only reason we got out, they think I'm a talesman, a sort of educated storyteller or teacher, that, that I'll tell their stories and spread their insanity. I will in my own way, but it's been a long day, or night. I'm going to sleep. I'll have more to say tomorrow. I just need to clear my mind.
got a point, but there has to be a compromise somewhere. Compromise? We just spent hours, I don't know, days, down there with those things. Cato did not give himself up just so we can continue with this futile mission. So your recommendation is to just let his sacrifice for the mission be in vain? You have no right to say that. You don't know Cato, you fringe-loving traitor. Traitor? You'd best be mindful of your accusations, kid. Oh, really? You were eager to let them take Cato away. Sev, stop. This is not helping any of us. He's gone. Really, no one could spend as much time out in the fringe as he has without losing what makes him Atrian. What? Did you apply for this mission or did they give it to you? I'd say both. You want to be out here. And there's no way the DFR would let you back into civilization. Your claims are baseless. Yes, I did apply for this mission. But only to stop each and every single one of your sorry asses from reaching just the same fate as the Northern Expedition. You want to go back to the inner city? Fine. Thinking that you have something nice to go back to might just keep you alive long enough to get there. But if you think for one moment I'm going to allow you to give up what we've already accomplished, you are sorely mistaken. Allow? You think you have the authority to allow anything out here? Yeah. Why don't we settle Shut this? Shut it! You think either of you are contributing anything by arguing like this? Yes, Cato is gone. No, we are not turning back. We have a mission to complete, so set yourself straight. Sev, I'm sorry that Cato is gone, but we are still alive. Gradius knew what he was doing. And we all knew what we were doing when we were assigned to this mission. To think we would all survive this would be naive. And what Cato did makes him a hero. Let's make sure we go back to Atreus. Mission completed, so that he is honored as such. Now get suited up. Sev, wake Kofsky. Gradius, where are we? Hey, pocket doctor. I'm awake. Uh, Just give me a few moments to document the Darkkin symbology here before we move on. We're on the first floor of an abandoned building. It's old, an office-style structure, though it's hard to see that with all the refuse and boarded windows. While I don't know exactly where we are within the fringe, we should be able to discern our location by seeking out the territory of the Shale Gang. They sure seem to like that arrowy symbol a lot. I know, right? It's fascinating, and I'm starting to think that there might be a correlation between the symbols and the deities from the story. (laughs) Or perhaps figures within their social structure. I most certainly should have asked them. Hmm. It's okay. We all had something else on our minds. Do you agree with my suggested course of action? So we're going to just, what, corner fringers and ask if they know where we can find the big lady? Unless you have a better suggestion, yes. Why don't we visit a brothel? Excuse me? Our interview with the sex worker was most informative, and he suggested that we could gather a far greater wealth of information from his, uh, co-workers. We have meal, so information should be readily available to us. That adds to aid. Good suggestion, Kofsky. <clears throat> I never thought I'd say this, but I, um... Let's go find a brothel. What's a brothel even look like? In the northern fringe, the larger ones sometimes have pornographic, um, symbology. Outside. <clears throat> Outside. If we ask around, I'm confident it won't be difficult to find. Let's gear up. Yeah, Reeve, my equipment reeks. There are a bunch of stains on here. I can assure you are not mine. Why is my gun sticky? It's probably... Don't tell me. Don't. I just can't wait for a shower. Yeah. We traveled through the sewer pipes. None of this should surprise you. Ugh. Let's just move on. We have so much to do, and the faster we collect our information, the sooner we can return. You know what I miss? My desk. 
I had a wonderful little research nook, clean and pristine, and my chair. Reeve, my chair was like sitting in bed. How did they ever think? Oh, you know who would make a good field researcher? Mr. Comfy Chair. My research from that chair was brilliant. If anything, that chair has contributed to science. <laughs> the exit appears to be clear, and the sun should be setting soon. Everyone ready yourselves. We're moving out. Gradius, behind me. Kofsky, follow close to Gradius. Sev, watch our backs. All right, let's go. Contacts at 90. Three scavengers by the look of it. We have a pair at 270. One smaller, one larger. Somewhat distant. Where to, Kofsky? Move towards Sev's contacts. With any luck, they'll have some information. Small individuals with larger ones usually indicates a traitor of some sort, with protection. Great. That means Meal can easily buy us information. Hmm. Jalo, you're moving in military formation again. Oh. Right. <clears throat> you, merchant. What do you want? We looking for a poke. Know where we can find something for all us? Hmm. Penny's place ain't too far. Penny? Yeah, the sack. She has all the clubs nearby. Worth poking around at, at least. You got a meal to trade, right? Yeah. How do we find her club? Eh, back the way you come a bit. Turn to the street with a big skull painted on a wall. How big? Big. It's not much to go past that. You'll know Penny's place because it's got a pretty glowing lady up top it. Hmm. Also, uh, tell the folks inside Sexy Dax sent you. <laughs> that you? Nah, it's my dick. <laughs> tell them that and they'll give you a discount. So don't forget it. Nice. See you around. Maybe. It's so odd. What is, Kosky? This is all so different from what they broadcast in the city. They are not mindless. They have language and beliefs. They hold on to meaning and understanding well enough. And they have multiple established social structures. Don't you dare start saying you like these monsters. I'm not. What I'm saying is that we can despise and fear them for what they truly are. Why all the lies? I'd stop thinking that way, Kofsky, or you might never reach that chair of yours again. What? No, I mean... Reeve, I don't know. Growing up, the wall represented a separation between civilized Atreus and the monsters beyond. Those gray, deformed ghouls of the broadcaster... Not as we know them. These monsters are, well, people. Or in more clear terms, these people are monsters. You're confusing me, Kofsky, but I agree with the monster part. Do you have a point to this? Why lie? Why not fight the real enemy? Why hide this? Kofsky, you do not fully understand what you are saying, so don't say it. I think I see the skull up ahead, so be quiet before someone hears you. I wonder what they used to paint it. Obviously, it's paint. That's not what... Never mind. So, just guessing here, but I'd assume that is the place up ahead. <clears throat> well, they certainly have a large, realistic depiction of what this building represents. Good, good. Let's head on home. Keep moving. They're not talking to us. Let me handle the talking. Is that really such a good idea? In the interest of survival, yes. Hmm. What's your trade here, boys? Hoping to trade some meals for a safe place to sleep and maybe a little dance, if you follow. Why so stiff? You got something you're hiding? 
everyone's got something to hide if they got the goods to come here. At least so said sexy Dak. Guess you ain't working for those 7th Street boys if Dak sent you. So we good to walk in? Yeah, but if you're thinking to try anything dumb, know that we just got a shiny box of extra nice boom pops that'll mess you up. Bad. Nice. I hear ya. Nothing dumb. Almost like the clubs and atriums. Not been to many clubs, eh, Kofsky? Only with lots more naked ladies. And men. Yep, that one's a guy. Welcome to Penny's Club, fair travelers. What's your desire? We'd like a room to sleep in tonight and some company. Do you like boys, girls, maybe both? Uh... Both would be beneficial. Oh, um... Try to see if we can acquire them one at a time. Both, but uh, we'd like them to visit one at, <clears throat> one at a time. Okay. Do you expect things to get rough? Nah, it's just for me. My guards like to watch is all. No shame in that. We have a healthy assessment for me to choose between. In fact, anyone with a jagged brand on their skin, so long as they don't have the Stark tattoo on them, is yours to pick from. Though the prices are different. What's that one cost? Huh? One meal for the night and an extra meal for the room. Nice. Here you are. The room is up the stairs, first on the left. If you go till sunrise, we'll charge you extra after you're done. Also, if you want someone else, just ring the bell and I'll be up there to help you get your next pick. Nice. Point us to a room and send her up five minutes after. Uh, sure. Follow me. You get any shale here? Huh? Shale. They deal in scrap. I'm not allowed to talk about customers. Ah. Uh, this room. Thanks. Where are the showers? Back through there. Are you satisfied with the room? Yeah. Okay, I'll tell her to be up soon. All right, Gradius. Here's what you're going to have to ask. Oh, uh, and remember, if they want to keep talking, just let them keep talking. Right. Start with simple things. What it's like working here. What kind of stuff does she see on a regular basis? What was the most recent thing she saw that was disturbing, um, in a non-sexual way? And also in a sexual way. How common is violence in the area? Who is the violence being caused by? What does she usually get paid in? Is meal the most common form of payment? What is of worth here that isn't of worth elsewhere? Uh, who's her boss? <laughs> okay, Kofsky. Who's her boss's boss? Just mouth them to me. But stay quiet. What was the first one again? Something simple. What's it like working here? Thanks. Get in the corner and stay quiet. Ugh, this corner's sticky. That corner looks cleaner. Best eyes on Atreus. Just shut up and stay quiet. You want me in there or not? Yeah. Yeah, sexy. Walk in. Softness told me your friend liked to watch. So let's give him something to see. <laughs> oh, wait it. I got some questions for you. Uh, don't worry, none. I don't have anything you can catch. That's not what I meant. What's your name, Sexy? Name's Shiny, but Sexy's good. I just want to talk for a bit first. You know, talk wastes fun time, right? You get paid either way. So, Shiny, what's it like working around here? Lots of fun. They treat me nice. Sarks, that is. What's nice mean? It's safe. I get to eat. They got showers workers like me can use. The Sarks keep a close watch on patrons, too. One more year, and I'll be a Sark, too. You're not a servant? Yeah. Most of us aren't servants. Why's that? Other places got lots of servants. Sure, but none of them run as well as Penny's. 
Workers got drive. We watch out for ourselves, which is nice for everyone. Servants don't have anything. They don't have reason to take care of themselves. They're a lot of work, which isn't always so nice for everyone. Right, right. So how'd you get here, Shiny? I used to work for a bunch of nuttons called Cold Meal. And the Sarks came in and wiped them out. Ended real nice for me, though. Sarks work as well better. Even with the brand? This brand's my protection. No one's gonna mess with me unless the Sarks let them. Or else. Nice. <clears throat> um, what? Would you see me on a regular basis? Sure. <clears throat> uh, I mean, what kind of stuff do you see on a regular basics? Basis. Basis. I can't give you names or nothing. How do you mean? Uh, talk through a normal day for you. Okay. I wake up, eat, shower, clean up, and listen around the club till I get a customer. Sometimes there's music, sometimes storytellers. <clears throat> what kind of music? You know, loud stuff, soft stuff, stuff you can dance to. I mean, who makes the music? What instruments do they play? That kind of stuff. Oh, I don't really know much about music. I just know that most nights, it's one or two people. Others, there's a few of them. How so? I just told you I don't really know. One of them plays the strings really nice. Another one has this bone that she's made all hollow. And it's my favorite. Then there are these guys who bang on drums all night. I don't really like it, but some people really seem to. Rougher types. Good drinkers. Sorry I missed music night. Sounded fun. You're always welcome back, handsome. You're friends too. As long as you got the meal. What if we didn't? I mean, we do. No worries, Shiny. Just wondering what happens when the meal's no good. Let's see. Penny's a sure sort. Like, sure, you want to poke, but you sure better pay. This boom pop type came in with two of his gang one time, all uppity, saying they got meal for the prettiest workers in the place. Penny knew it. Knew they weren't her sure type. She's a sly one. Scrap, Penny got it all. So she laid down this trap. A trap? How so? I'm getting to it. So Penny sent him up to a room, tells him the prettiest workers in the house will be up quick. And sure, we go up. I was one of them, you know? The pretty ones. I can believe that, Shiny. Oh well, we go up, and two of the guards come up with us, and there is Penny, straight in the middle. She flaunts us up, makes them want us, and then turns, asking for the meal so they can have their night. I'll let you guess, sexy. The scrappers had none. None. Penny and the guards dragged them, kicking and bashing to the front of the building, hauled them up by their cheap necks right above our sign. Sure, they dangled and kicked for a bit, but after a while, they were just swinging. Once they were dead, Penny took their heads to the metal, and they sat outside for months, worn in of cheap kind. And the bodies? Ah, Penny, she's so nice. She gave them to the street folk. Everyone needs a warm bite now and then. So is meal all you take? What else kind of stuff you get paid with? Why? You thinking a work change, handsome? Hmm. I'm not sure you'd be the right type. Well, meals most of the time. But as long as it's worth something in trade, the club will accept it. And we still get our meal every day. One time, I went a whole week and no one, not one, paid in meal. But we bring in good stuff for the place. So we workers are treated nice. I've got paid in bullets. Just a few is enough. Casings too, but that's like a whole box's worth. We accept drugs, but we usually just resell them. The place that is, not me. What else? We don't accept me, no way, to tell if it's clean. And we workers stay clean. We gotta. One time we got paid in real pretty glass. 
set up some of the rooms real pretty like. All right, today is, uh, tonight is a night. One night after the previous recording, which was also a night. I have good news though. I recorded a series of long and at points strange interviews with four prostitutes, which I've recorded under additional supplemental notes, Sark interviews two through five. We, we left our camp this morning in search of subjects to interview for information. And based off of previous interactions, we deemed a brothel the most suitable source of easily monetized information. While tactically the sex workers were not the best informants, they revealed much about French culture and its development. For instance, they have developed musical instruments. Not just percussion, but wind and stringed instruments as well. Also, their idea of currency is very fluid. They have a very clear understanding of what they consider valuable, but this can change depending on a given situation. They believe bullets and even bullet casings to be valuable. And the points, uh, this is going to sound very strange, but at points they believe balls of spun hair to be of incredible worth. Meal is, of course, considered valuable, although they still have a lack of understanding as to what meal actually is, often referring the different flavors by their colors. There are, of course, some things that you'll just have to listen to the interviews for. There are some things Shiny, one of the prostitutes, was talking about that are a little bit more mm, strange. Some of the more sexual aspects of her job. We were also able to learn slightly more about the social hierarchy of the establishment. The establishment belongs to a larger gang in general, but each section of the gang has its own unique codes and social hierarchy within their respective establishments. Each is a delegate, imbued with power and protected by a larger overwhelming force if needed. Charity, I'm not sure I would call it that, but giving to others, I don't know how to explain it. They give what they don't want, uh, don't need, to those in even worse situations, but I'm not sure if it is anything akin to charity. Mm, convenience, perhaps? An easy way to accrue favor while getting rid of waste or trash. <sighs> it's in the report. The last sex worker, uh, actually more of a slave, left us for the night. Most of them were surprised no one slept with them at the beginning, but they were all so talkative that they didn't even seem to remember by the end. I don't know if fringers are ever allowed to share their feelings or talk freely on any kind of regular basis. I suppose that's a fairly important observation from a fairly successful day. Tomorrow morning, uh, perhaps after another shower, we will head out to find more people to interview. Really quick, on the topic of showers, the Sarks have no shortage of cleaning supplies, running hot water, and cold water. <laughs> well, now we see if I can get a few hours of much-needed rest. <laughs> Welcome, citizens, to the 10th episode of Liberty Critical Research Podcast. As your media director, it is my duty to inform you that the following story has been labeled explicit and is intended for mature audiences. Our next regularly scheduled release will be our Q&A episode. Thank you everyone who submitted questions. Starting on February 9th, we will begin broadcasting a series of short Liberty-themed horror stories in the show Liberty Tales from the Tower. Work for Season 2 of Liberty Critical Research has already begun, and Season 2 is planned for release in June. Thank you and stay tuned to the Liberty Podcast for future stories.
You won't have about eight minutes until you gotta leave this room. You're always welcome back another time. We got morning spirits at the bar if it suits you. Oh, my neck. Oh, my everything more like. Breathe, Gradius. Why couldn't we have slept in the bed? There's room. You could have. It was your choice once the workers left. But whether or not you chose to sleep in a highly frequented fringe brothel's bed was really up to you. Frankly, the ground may have been the better option. Showers, showers. You took one last night. You'll live. Pack your gear, eat something, and let's find our next interviewee. Based on the conversation from yesterday, there is a market down the street several blocks. It would be an interesting way to examine their economy and further explore their trade systems. These trade systems seem pretty standard to me. You got scrap, I trade you scrap. Nothing these degenerates have is really worth a tofu. It may appear that way to you, Sev, but this is a different culture we are investigating. Values, beliefs, faiths, everything could be vastly different from what you consider to be true. Yeah, I remember that. Speaking of values, let's leave before we have to pay more for this place. This place is filled every night. Listen. Music. Which I call that music. I'm recording this. Listen to the melody and the slow but pervasive beat. That woman sure is an enthusiastic dancer. Also a man. Done. I'm very much done with this place. Keep your voice down. Ah, here comes Shiny and Lush. Please, Gradius. What? Thank them for their time. Thanking isn't really a... Hey, beauties. We'll be calling in yous again sometime. Always welcome back, sexy. Never worked so little for meal in my life. You're both a right on yous way to being Sark. Glad I didn't chat you and your gang to sleep. Not so much watchers as listeners, are they? Well, they still got a pretty look, and that's a certain enjoyable thing. Such a charmer. A generous charmer. Shiny, lush, patrons for you. Those ones are on the way out. Bye, Bye handsome. handsome. Sir, either take your party to the bar and order drinks, or leave Penny's place. No problem. Just telling your fine girls we'd be back. Come on, all, let's leave. Got market to see. You're always welcome back, so long as you got the meal for it. <laughs> Enjoy yourselves? Penny's place got your future poke if you got future meal. Come back again. Yeah. Night, then. <laughs> Penny's place is such an anomaly. They have such a perfect structure of business. A hierarchy of power, an active understanding of commerce, a meeting space of information, a display of pervasive culture and norms. Kofsky, please. It was a brothel. Yeah, a place better suited as a hole in the ground. All this and we haven't really touched on the real reason we all know we're out here, doing this shit. The threat. What kind of threat do gangs pose to Atreus? Sure, talking to sex workers will get you some info you find fascinating. But Shiny isn't going to know anything about military power. To an extent, you're right. Dr. Fawn and Mrs. Passet were rather interested in the military aspects of the Fringers in their briefing. These groups won't just come forward with information regarding their military strength. To assume we could easily access such information is foolish. Speaking of foolish, I feel as though down the street was not an adequate set of directions for finding this market. Could we possibly ask someone for better directions? Good idea. That dealer over there. The loner. Probably selling low-grade goods. I'll ask him. Hey, you looking for something? Actually, yes. Well, what you want? Where's the market? What you looking for? I may got it. No, no. We want a market. Well, if there's nothing in it for me, why should I help you? Look, all you gotta do is point. I got goods. What are you looking for? Nothing you got. Never mind. Ah, wait. 
I can walk you there. Only cost you a meal. That's shit. A meal ain't worth no market walk. I'll find a scrapper and he'll tell me for a tin. A tin's nice. I'd do a tin. (laughs) Come on, then. Come on. Tin when we get there, not before. Can I seize you got it, at least? Tin ain't nothing. Good, good. This way. Follow me. Follow me. So, out of pennies. Nice place, eh? friend of mine turned into a pretty nice permanent fixture there, if you know what I mean. No, I don't. Well, you know, one thing to another, and, uh, We're done with this story. Okay, you know, you know, for maybe two more tin, I can get you a spinner and some hair. Or three, and I get you a needle, too. Real good quality hair. Coarse, warm, easy to spin. No, not interested. Right, right. You don't seem like the spinner sort anyhow. How about some buddies? Huh? You know, you just came from Benny's place. Probably came a lot, actually. So you're probably out of buddies. You know, Penny, don't let you risk not having them. I got, what, a buddy at ten? I'll do you one better. Five for four. Also done with this. Just trying to make this worth me time. What about the little guy? Don't talk much, eh? I got something that'll make you so fucked up you'll be talking backwards. No? Come on, it's quality stuff time. You know, Halakanook stuff. The good stuff. The stuff that'll let you... Shut it. Right. All right, so no to the hard stuff. Oh, what about meat? I got some eyes, some jerky, tasty stuff. Fresh, too. See? They were still kicking just last night. No? Nah, okay. But pennies. How about a girl? A guy? Whichever or what about a buddy? Friends of mine in the raiding business can get you whatevs you want. Some of them like them kinda young. I'm not into it, but some are! Whatever you want, I can provide. The market. Soon, soon. You got a heavy guy there. Violians might be more your thing. How about guns? Big guns, small guns, even the fancy stuff that innies use. You lying puss face. Any guns don't work for anyone but innies. They do, they do. I get special modded. Innies think they got all this stuff blocked up. Shitheads don't think we got them. We do. I know this one guy pops these special guns open like nothing. Makes them ours for good. How? I dunno. Not the sciencey type. Cost a lot, though. Way more than a ten. We'd be talking meal. Lots of meal. How many available? Wow! Interested. I personally got two. More. Not on me, so no sly ideas. But I can bring you to them. How many are there? All of them. When I saw you, I knew you. I knew it. You were war boss types. Got the look in you. What with my associates got and the smart man. I dunno. Maybe I can get you. Hmm. Say 12 if you want them next night. More if you can wait. They sell quick. Usually 30 meal per. Flavor don't matter. But I might be able to get you a bulk discount. We could avoid a war just by paying for all their guns. I can't believe that they have people capable of hacking the failsafe systems on our munitions. So if I could wait, how many are we talking? A shit ton! Smarty's got a regular supply. In a moon, we could have you with a small army. But it'll cost you a small warehouse, I'll tell you that. Now tell me, you really interested, or are you just fucking with me? Just fucking with you? You think someone with a warehouse and meal goes to the damned market? Wish you weren't fucking with me. Wish you weren't. 
you know, mark it in so far. Something's amiss. I don't see anyone. Maybe we was fucking with you, but now I'm rather sure you're fucking with us. If you know where the market was, you would know I wasn't. Not a fucking sound. I don't believe him, Shalo. Keep your eyes open. Don't trust this degenerate. There's casings and needles on the ground. I thought these had value. Perhaps they are worth less here. No, no, Kofsky, they aren't. If you don't take these back roads, you always gotta pay gang tolls. Got 710 to spend at the market, and those tolls take five off you. These back ways look like a maze, but you'll have more to spend when you get there. So, what are you headed to the market for? Got someone there for you? Someone who's got something I don't? There's movement in the windows. Hostiles. You led us to a fucking ambush. <laughs> you shot him! Yeah, now run. Down! This is not the way we came from! Break left! Shit. That way has guns. Break right. Go! You're clear. Just move. I've been shot! Your legs still work. Keep moving. Down! Where are we? I don't know. Where's Gradius? I don't see him. They're surrounding us. We need to move. What about that window? Nice. Get him! You shot them! Yeah, now move. They're coming in. Out the front. Go! Jalo! No, 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 no. Drop it, big guy. Boss, they got Saltos hunting them. How club bats get those scum Saltos out our territory? You, big guy. It's Yonkfist, you stop. Now, <laughs> you won't make any friends that way. Friends? <sighs> P- pick Jalo up. Yeah, get her up. We got a walk to go on. Saltos all sorted, boss. Good. Good. Put up the new prizes and let's head on home. Relax, young Vist. It would be a shame if you all couldn't join us for dinner. Well, partake. Put them up. Loot them and leave them. We got a few good guests for tonight. And here I was thinking it was just a boring night at the market. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Liberty Podcast. Episode 10 of Liberty Critical Research was written by Caitlin Statz and co-created and produced by Travis Van Groff. The voice of Marta Lukowski is Paul Mea. Decimo Jalo was Lauren Griffin. Severus Jungquist was Travis Van Groff. Gertius Rodriguez was John Hex Carter. Shiny was Emily Amasquita. Lush was Nicole Fernandez. The hostess was Caitlin Sanzo. The Sark Guard was Brandon Strader. The Salto Salesman was Tony Baldini. Howell was Robert Pitsley. And Dismas was Sean Francis. Liberty Critical Research Season 1 was mixed by Brandon Strader. The music and sound for this broadcast were recorded and designed by Careless Juja. If you have enjoyed listening to Liberty Critical Research, please rate and review us on iTunes. To support the Liberty Podcast, please visit our Patreon at patreon.com slash libertypodcast. Liberty is a Fool and Scholar production. This production is copyright 2015 by John Dossinger Publishing, and Liberty is a trademark of Travis Van Groff. Thank you for listening, and may the Archon watch over you. Welcome, citizens, to the blooper episode of the Liberty Critical Research Podcast. As your media director, it is my duty to inform you that these bloopers may contain content some listeners may find vulgar. The season finale of episode... I mean, crap. The season finale of season one, episode 10 of Liberty Critical Research, 
will be released on January 12, 2016. We wish everyone a happy new year. New York. We wish everyone a happy new year. So, without further ado, the Bloopisode. Welcome, citizen, to this episode of the Liberty Research Proposal Podcast. As your... One more time. Okay. You're doing good. You're doing good. You don't have to yell. I can hear you perfectly fine. Sorry. You're over there, and that's over there, and I have bad eyes. Welcome, citizens, to the sixth episode. That's the Lucas Real Fish right there. Episode six of. I forgot. <laughs> you forgot the name of the podcast. I was thinking too much. This is totally going to Lucas. So, Cato, did you hear? Long's West is starting his own monthly broadcast. Can you sound less interested in it? Less interested. Okay. Yeah. Like just, you know, you're trying to make idle chatter while you're eating food. Oh, okay. And he's and he's talking to who ate the pumpkin? Uh, Patel. Patel. Okay. All of you should finish eating before the briefing. Pumpkin or no pumpkin, Officer Jungquist. One more time. All of you. Nope, nope, nope. Nope. But enough talk. Senior Investigator Rodriguez, would you begin the briefing? Sweet, sour, salvery. <laughs> Don't send the ones marked goodbye. Ah, goodbye. I keep reading it. Normal level of volume, so your unique accent is not noticed by fringes, which would draw attention. It's good that fringers. Fringers. It's- Second, we should establish some words that indicate an upcoming... Second, we should establish some words that indicate an upcoming conflict or some form of immediate thing danger in a given situation. You doing it with those guys? You doing it with those guys? You doing it with those guys? It should is that is it? You doing it with those guys? You doing it with those guys? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And perhaps you doing it with those guys? It just feels weird saying it so like slowing it down because it seems like something that should be said quickly. It matches your colorful person. That it's just like the two words together (laughs) are like, okay. Colorful personality, colorful personality. Okay. It matches your colorful, colorful. (laughs) (laughs) I just cannot get that. That's all right. Okay. Mm, Okay. Okay. So I'm joking around with him. Okay. (sighs) Okay. It matches your colorful personality. It matches your colorful, colorful, uh, okay. Sound like you can actually have more, more variety in your voice <laughs> for this one. Or be a little higher, maybe. Like, mm-hmm. It matches your colorful person. Okay. It matches your colorful personality. One more like that? I love this. I'm so glad I don't have to say your last name, Sev. You missed, Cap. Me just, like, taking 15 hours trying to get Jofsky? No, what was that? Kofsky. No, 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 no. Kofsky I could get. It was the 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 really oh, difficult no. last name. Yonkfist. Like trying to Yonkfist is hard enough in my own voice, but trying to do it in like the specifically the gradius voice. Yonkfist. Uh-huh. He's like, no, that's not right. Do it a little different. Yonkfist. That's basically he's like, no, say Yonkfist. I'm like, uh okay. Okay, anyways. I'm Batman. I recommend the Leong Fist. That was, that was it, yeah. I recommend Leong Fist or myself based on st- Yeah, I recommend I recommend Leong Fist or myself based on stature alone. Almost imagine the L's not there, so Leong Fist. Leong Fist, okay. And then slip it in like last line. I recommend Leong Fist. Okay. 
I recommend Youngfist. No, I still didn't. I recommend Youngfist or myself. Now get suited up. Sev, wait, Krovsky. Krovsky, sorry. Ka- what is it? Kov? Kovsky. Wait, Kovsky, yeah. Kovsky, okay. Now get suited up. Sev, wait, Krovsky. Uh, I always want to say Krovsky. <laughs> okay, let me do it again. Okay. All right. Now get suited up. Sev. <laughs> let me do that again. <laughs> okay. Now get suited up. Sev, wait, Krovsky. <laughs> That's a tough one. Wait, Kovsky. Wait, Kovsky. Yeah. Sev, wake, wake, Kos, uh, wake, Kovsky, wake, it is, wake, Kovsky. I guess that was. Yeah, one more. <laughs> Coughing faintly. <laughs> oh. Like one of those, like. <clears throat> okay. Not been to many clubs, eh, Kovsky? Kovsky. <laughs> so is it yellow or jello? Shit, jello. Where'd you? Jalo, okay. Your best eyes on. Your she be- says, her thing is, I have the best eyes on Atreus. <laughs> your best eyes on Atreus is nothing here. Everyone. Or nothing. Are nothing here. Absolutely more than one now. Wherever we go, Jalo. Jalo, Yep, yep. Absolutely more than one now. Wherever we go, Jalo. Jalo, Jalo. Jalo. Turn to the next side tunnel to the low. Oh, God. Started moving. Then go left, Kato. Kato. God damn it. Go left, Kato. Dr. Fawn and Miss... What's it? How do you say Passet. It's French. <clears throat> Sev presents. Sev presents. <laughs> Sev presents a valid concern. <laughs> Sev presents a valid... Valid. Valid. Yeah. There's also a close combat weapon made from scrap and a replica of your weapons on choice. Of choice. I'll take point. (laughs) Flustered. I'm the point man. Unless you have a better understanding of the fridge. Until. Until. Of the fridge. I know where the lettuce is. It's not for health reasons. It serves a... Oi, you. Except less Australian. Yeah. It's mine. You want stuff I want? We have incoming co- blah, blah, blah. We have incoming contacts at 180. Archon. Ar- okay, I gotta get how to say that part. Like, I'm thinking like you said like one syllable. Just think of it as like, God, Archon, they smell awful. Archon. Archon, they smell awful. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I got a bubble in your throat from air, so oh, one more. Okay. That was perfect. <laughs> I like pig feet. Yeah, actually. Okay. You were right. You were right, Gradius. They do like feet. The scrap is this way. I see their left. Oh, that sounds like I'm from New York. Yeah, it does. (laughs) It was the it was the the ears and the zaps. Scrappers are this way. K. 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 No. K. Every few meters, one then the other, one then the other. One again. Oh, there is one. My screen wasn't all the way zoomed out. No, that's fine. All right. One then the other. There's only two, actually. Oh. I thought I, I did two the first time. Yeah, you-
I am the knight. I am Rodriguez. Your claims. God, now I got the Batman in my voice. You gotta be, you gotta be fast with it. I know that's weird because it's like read this for the first time. Right, 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 right. Feel free to take. No, it's my dick. (laughs) (laughs) Both would be most beneficial. Uh, Kofsky. (laughs) Do you know what you're getting into, kid? Feel like a small grooved rectangle, slightly larger than a meal canister. Can I get some more water? Yeah, yeah, sorry. These symbols are notorious, even in the Easter, fr- even in the Eastern Fringe. Kofsky. 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 Your interest in special structure is the least of my concerns right now. Social structure. He's like, about their social structure. Shit. Jalo, you were right. I think I saw something move. Fat. Move behind us. Okay. How'd they get their hands? How did they get their hands on night tech spec? How did they get their hands on night spec technology all the way out here in the fringe? In this dark, no one could. No, in this dark, no one could. Okay, no one could find us anyway. What's the name of our group? I don't know just yet. Just be quiet until I can. <coughs> until I can discern what their intentions are. Until I can discern what their intentions. You got to cut down on the water. What being needs cameras when when its eyes see in the dark as though it was day? Damn, Rodriguez, you getting poetical on us? Shallow, turn to the next side. Oh, huh. See, I would scream. <laughs> you could do like a, you could do a muted version, like just a slightly less energetic version of what you would scream. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Are there any alternatives back there? Not that all. Not that aren't okay. Not not that aren't already. Not that aren't already. Not that aren't already occupied. All right. Any alternatives back there? Not that aren't already. Yeah. <laughs> not that aren't already. Aren't already. Aren't aren't already. Not that aren't already occupied. Okay. But less risk. But less risky than choosing the name of an enemy. The name of an enemy. Of an enemy. <laughs> Reeve. Gradius. They're people. If it's not going to be if it's not going to be Mirkovsky, that leaves our cool, close quarters. Close quarter specialist. <clears throat> if it's not me or if it's not going to be Mirkovsky, then and it's an easy decision. Oh. Say it really slow. Yeah. Fair yeah. I think uh, anger. Yeah. Be quiet back there. You. <laughs> That's okay. Yeah, because like I I hear it now too. Like when I say it, the the problem is like there's there's like a like a half tone. Material. There's like a half tone where it drops, to, and then I want to be like the sword, the sword of Cain. <laughs> you know. Started. I'm worse at laughing than you are. Yes, you are. Okay, yeah. So. Well, I can't do it if you're fucking sitting right there ready to pop. <laughs> I mean, this is. A, I was really getting into it. Now right, I'm getting out of it. No, no, yeah, into it, into it. Low voice. All right. So, and is this? They're underground, right? You said yeah. like sewers. Yeah. Okay. That is, that is indeed correct. All right. I now now I need to get back into it because like I was feeling the knife. I was feeling getting ready to chop up Kowski. And now I'm fucking pissed off that I can't do that. And now I'm fucking pissed off because those fuckers won't shut up. All right. I'm ready to go. Go for it. Be quiet back there. You are to be presented to the elders. Show respect. 
stay quiet unless spoken to. (laughs) (laughs) I'm fine. We will have our items and our freedom. There. We will have... There. We will have our freed items. There. We will have our freedom. Freedom. America. Should we just bow down? Let them kill us all? Should we feed their great, great, grand? <clears throat> Should we just bow down? Let them kill us all? Should we feed their grandmother and four? Okay. Are you cool with the butt being higher pitch? Yeah. That's good. All right. It's a longer climb than you think, but it will lead you to the surface. It shall lead you to the surface. Okay, one more time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's good. All right. It's a longer climb than you think, but it will lead you to the surface. Shall. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. My eyes are so tired at this time of night. It's it's all interpretive for me right now. You're almost there. Okay, but it shall lead you to the surface. And that's another hard word for me to say. All right. It's a longer climb than you think, but... It shall lead you to the surface. <laughs> now, now the. Go for it. Are you sure with that going on? It stopped. But it shall lead you to the surface. <laughs> I'm, I'm too, right, I'm right, too giddy right. Go back. We just need to just do it. You know. Go for it. But it shall lead you. To- <laughs> <laughs> like butts. It's it's. It's not even the word. It's just me thinking about like doing the butt because like the first time it was just natural. Like it just, it happened naturally. But now to manufacture it again is like, I was like, wow, that actually is a lot harder than I thought. I want to read, I want to read the whole line. All right, go for it. Okay. Can you, can you zoom out a little bit? I want to just get back into the context a bit. I think that'll help me scroll up just a little bit. Here, this is the way up. What? Already? Okay. It's a longer climb than you think. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> it's what's bizarre is it's not even funny to me. Like it's I'm I'm really like feeling that moment, but it's just it's just like this gut reaction, you know? They're waiting for you at the surface. <laughs> I'm not even laughing. Just no, no, no. I know. It's just me now. Because now up. now all the things that I'm trying to repress are just building up. Okay, so... All right. Sorry, Miss Music Night. Sounded fun. <clears throat> I'm starting to get sultry. Well, you, uh... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, very sultry. Yeah, it You're is. The other lady. Oh, my. Ooh. Your room is up the stairs, first to the left. If you go till sunrise, we'll charge you extra after you're done. Also, if you want something else, just ring the doorbell and I'll be... Your room is up the stairs, first on the left. If you go till sunrise, we'll charge you extra after you're done. Also, if you want someone else, just ring the doorbell. Doorbell. Oh, that was so good until that point. Also, if you want someone else, just ring the bell and I'll be up here to help you get your next pick. God dang. Also, if you want someone else, just ring the bell and I'll be up here to... Jesus Christ on a stick. Hopefully no one's Christian. Also, if you want someone else, just ring the bell and I'll be up here to help you get your fucking shit. God. (laughs) One more time. This is it. I'm going to get it. I'm going to do it right. Also, if you want someone else, just ring the bell and I'll be up to get... Shit, motherfucker. (laughs) I don't know maybe why this slide is just... You said it enough, maybe. It's like you forget how to words. <laughs> just ring the bell and I'll help you get to show next pick. 
I do. It's probably something like, like trying to sound a little bit fancy, but kind of you know, like definitely lower class. Like, oh, welcome to Penny's Club, fair travelers. You know, like maybe something so, like that. Okay, see, you got the Jewish mother thing going on. You could probably do a little bit of that. Okay. Do you expect things? <laughs> you know what? Just never mind. They got it. <laughs> I'm tired of this fucking line. Uh, sure. Follow me. Footsteps, stairs, background noise, music. <laughs> You don't actually have to say the stage directions. Oh, I'm sorry. Yes, I did apply for this mission. Stop. So your recommendation is to just let his sacrifice for the mission be in vain? Ugh, I don't like that, lad. Say a little faster. Yeah. You have no right to say that. You don't know Kato. You corrupt, fringe-loving traitor. Yeah. Oh. They don't say bastard. They say traitor. So So traitor is... is, is, Okay. It is the worst slur you can think of. Okay. Traitor. Uh, is it? You're eager to let them take Kato away. Stop, Sev. This is not helping anyone. Like oh, seething. Oh, I went too far. Your claims are bla- blaze bliss. <laughs> All your base are belong to claim. Your claims are baseless. That wasn't really base. No, you liked it? No, that one. Yeah, I didn't like that either. Thinking that you have something nice to go back to might just get blah blah. Your claims are based. Oh, the god, it's not the depth. I apologize. You have, you have the depth. I, in, in these, we can hear the depth. Oh, okay. You're getting, you're okay. Getting yes, I did apply for this mission. Yes, I did apply for this mission. Stop. You have no right to say that. You don't know Cato, you, tri- you fringe loving traitor. Do you agree we suggest course of action? With my suggested. Uh, With my suggested. I don't have anything you can catch. <laughs> Let me handle the talking. Let me handle the talking. Let me handle the talking. Perfect. Uh, I just keep changing the emphasis until you're happy. Yeah. Depending on how the others. Uh, Thank you for listening to the Liberty Podcast. <laughs> no, Jalo, he's gone. Really, no one can spend that much time out in the fringes. Oh, he's gone. Ah. Uh, don't trust the don't trust the don't trust this degenerate. <laughs> don't trust this degenerate. Ah. <sighs> no, I mean like the the like. Caitlin, be quiet! I was capturing your giggling. The sexy girl giggle that we need. I- you do write good prostitutes. Okay. This brand is my protection. No one's gonna mess with me unless the Starks let him. Starks. Did I say Sarks? You said Starks. <laughs> Tony! Tony! Tony is my pimp! Oh, okay. Go for it. Talk to Kat, because she's far away. Oh, pretend you're one of my workers. <laughs> Go for it. I can't be sophisticated talking like an aristocrat, but I have to have aristocrat attitude, okay? Yeah, you need the attitude. Well, just... the attitude. Okay. I'll, I'll sound like a bougie girl. Servants don't have anything. Oh. I don't really know much about music. I just know that most nights, one or two people. Other nights, there's a few of them. Normally it's more inflection. <laughs> okay. Awesome. Okay. Puppies. Oh, puppies. Another one has this bone she's made all hollow. And it's my favorite. Orlando Bloom. How does that... Channing Tatum. Just... Oh, Sultrier? <laughs> one night after the previous recording, which was also a night. I have good news... I have good news, though. 
I recorded a series of long and at point strange interviews with four prostitutes named Shiny. With a four prostitute named. You lying puss face. <laughs> oh, Jello. You know, market is in it, in, in, in so far. In. No, the market in so far. Okay. In. Like in. Yeah. Without the F. Wait, am I going to be like, glad I didn't chat you and you're getting to sleep last night? No, I don't mean that one. Uh, but just like. Uh, okay, like I'm like my friend is drunk and I'm whispering, I'm like yelling in her ear to club. I got you, because that's that's about the level. Yeah, let's go for it. Yeah. <laughs> Please suckers. <laughs> you go right. You go left. Welcome, citizens, to the Q and A episode of the Liberty Critical Research Podcast. All right. Uh, so here today we have Brian Keller, Travis Van Groff, and Caitlin Statz. That's uh, Kato Patel, Officer Severus Jungqvist, the writer, and Mrs. Tong. So I'm also the producer. I'm yes. Travis. And Brian. Brian here, uh, voice of Kato Patel. Yeah, yeah, that sounds Great organic. to be here, guys. Great, great to have you, Brian. Hey, you're back. I am back <laughs> he's from alone. the dead. <laughs> Don't say anyway. that. They'll get their hopes up. <laughs> yeah, he's gone. So we are the Liberty Endures subreddit, and thank you for everyone who posted questions at the subreddit or emailed us, or for those who know us, texted us, or just ran into us in the street and then said, I have to know about this thing in the podcast. Yeah. So we compiled all of your questions, and let's see how long this goes for. All right, so we have some of your questions here. I'm going to read off, and let's see if we can answer some for you guys. Okay, first question. How did the idea for Liberty come to be? What differences are there between the podcast and the upcoming comic? Wait, wait, wait. Let's, let's do one at a time. <laughs> one at a time. <laughs> okay. One at a time. We'll... This was like a... Okay, so how did the idea for Liberty come to be? Go for it. Okay, so... Wow, my breath is bad. I can, hear, I can feel my breath <laughs> bouncing off of your face because we're both using one microphone and then back in my face. <laughs> <That's> so <laughs> It's awful. Wow. I need a breath mint. We have gum. Better food. We do? Yeah. It's also tea. Don't let it get cold. Oh... I derailed the conversation. I know. <laughs> <laughs> so how Liberty came to be. A uh, long time ago in college, I, uh, we don't have gum. No, it's you shake. I, I will endure. It's in the car. <laughs> I will wow. endure. Okay, that's fine. I'll get it. No, no, no. <laughs> go, go get it. <laughs> you can smell it. That's bad. Caitlin does not endure. <laughs> <laughs> So, a uh, long time ago in college, I had drawn this picture of a lady. I guess I was really fascinated by the idea of what I'd drawn, and I was like, man, I need to make a world for this character, because this character is a really cool concept art piece. It's actually really horrible, because I'm bad at art. So I, I developed a basic world around this character, whose name is Twitch, and has always sort of been Twitch, and I played D&D games, more or less, that set it in the world, and it was... It was kind of exciting, and eventually I had the idea for a story, and that's where it became kind of a movie idea, but movies are really expensive, so it became a comic book, and now we have a podcast. and Which is still really expensive. Not the podcast, the comic book. <laughs> the comic books are expensive, yeah, but not as bad as movies. Very cool. Second question. So what differences are there between the podcast and the upcoming comic? So the podcast is actually written in the same timeline, in the same world as the comic book. Okay. But it actually happens several years before the comic book is going to take place. So to like ask what characters might make an appearance is almost a spoiler for who may or may not be around at the end. So what, what can we say? What can we say? The events of the podcast 
have some influence on the series. You know, the work that Kovsky and his team is, is doing is actually pretty important. So uh, what was the main inspiration for the research story? And overall, what is the inspiration for the Liberty Universe? Should we start with the universe and go backwards down to... Sure, go for it. The, well, the universe is you, and I'll, I'll say the inspiration oh. for the research thing. Uh, the inspiration for the Liberty Universe. Really, a lot of things, a lot of sci-fi, so much sci-fi. A lot of uh, research on world cultures. Kind of a mix of, like, a bunch of movies. From, oh, is this gum? Is, it, is this gum? No. <laughs> She'll get to it. You don't Just have to going. acknowledge it. Oh, I don't acknowledge the gum. Okay. And people are going to think I have, like, halitosis. <laughs> Just don't, don't chew next to the microphone. Oh, three pieces. Oh, three. Three chiclets. Why don't you answer another question in the meantime, Caitlin? Or just uh, the, the research story. All right, so... Oh, my Inspira- God, that was Inspiration so for the research story. So the research story actually comes from several ideas that uh, Travis and I sat down and wrote out. And it was actually the least fleshed out idea that we had. And it ended up turning into the entire story. So wow. we don't know how it actually happened that way. But the reason it's more of a research story is because we thought it would be very interesting from an anthropological perspective to take a person who is from a culture where they don't even have anthropology and is more along the lines of a sociologist and throw them out into what's supposed to be a cultural experience slash military experience. And I have background in ethnography, so it was interesting for me to try and create an idea where this strange, nerdy person goes out into the world and has to learn about others, so... I don't know if that made any sense. Oh my no, god, don't do that. <laughs> so, sorry. For those listening at home, I pulled the gum out so I could speak clearly and not sound interesting. That's I don't really know the the answer of, of what maybe inspired the universe. A lot of things. I can't really point to anyone. It's a difficult question. There have been a lot of people who have helped inspire the universe, so there's been a lot of contributions. The original like stories and stuff in the world had like a lot of holes that people could poke in it. So we spent a lot of time trying to poked so many holes. I guess instead of maybe instead of you. the main inspiration, like what made you want to flesh this out? Like what was driving you to create something like this? I felt it was a really good story. I can't really, you know, the story hasn't been told yet. Yeah. <laughs> but it's That's uh, the story of the comic book. The comic book story, yeah. Uh, it's it's a lot of fun. It, I've been working on it for like 7 years. It's kind of been ongoing just with different artists and a lot of different people helping me uh, develop it and make it more realistic, more science than fiction in the science fiction world. But yeah. So how about their customs in Atreus and even in the Fringe? What are any contrasts in customs? So this is very interesting from the perspective of I write for the podcast, but he writes for the world. Mm -hmm. So everything that I write, I have to run by him and say, does this make sense for the world you're trying to create? So if you take, for example, if I write a story about a child who's going to school, he'll say, oh, no, no, they don't don't have school. They have educational courses. They don't consider it schooling. And like, there's no such thing as police officers. They're considered like Enforcers. enforcers or so everything's a little bit different. There's a mixture of what I create for the customs and what Travis already has in his world preset. So I'm trying to create more while still within a mold. So the customs come from a lot of different things and a lot of them are made up by Travis who's taken them from a bunch of different ideas. And then for the fringers that I'm working with for, uh, for the podcast, it has to do with 
working within things that are already created as well. So it sounds really bad because it sounds like I'm not writing anything, but I take everything that's already existing. Like somebody who writes for a Star Trek or Star Wars book, they have to take what's already in the world and make something new out of it. Mm-hmm. And did you just put the gum down? I put it in my tea. Oh, minty. <laughs> Disgusting. Uh, so, no, I, but like the season two stuff, which none of you guys have heard yet, like Shh. a lot of that is... It's original stuff that you've, you've come up with. You've you got to give yourself a little more credit. You're creating culture, and it's kind of exciting. But the, uh, the Atrian customs are kind of an, an idea of a society that takes their words more literally. They, they look for a more literal language. They're trying to reduce idioms, shooting fish in a barrel. They don't have fish. Uh, they don't have barrels, so they do neither of those things. Mm-hmm. So things are just easy for them trying to make a literal language, trying to have the written language, which is referenced one or two times, is phonetic. So it's no silent T's or Q's. Culturally, it's a hodgepodge of a bunch of different ethnicities and, and cultures sort of all in one. Right. If that makes sense. What would you say is the main influence for, say, Fringer names or how they their dialect? What was the main influence there? Or what do you draw influence from? Yeah, there's there's no real main influence. The fringe can be kind of uh, almost anything. I, I try not to reference animals very frequently at all, if ever. Atrians never reference animals, but the fringe kind of has like, you know, someone will come across a coloring book and it'll have a giraffe in it. So they'll be like, mm-hmm. oh, wow, the giraffe, this creature looks terrifying. Oh, my <laughs> God, it's got a huge neck. It could probably, you know, stomp someone to death. We're going to call ourselves the giraffes. You know, that, that would be kind of a, right. a fringer thought. You just sort of have to approach things with an open mind and, like, how would you interpret something if you'd never seen it before? Or what's a good name for this person? We should call this person... Well, their, their name as a kid has been Bubbles, but we, we want to call him Scar. Why? I don't have a Scar. Now you do. Now you're Scar. You know, making people right. tougher. That was so specific, I don't even know if it applied to the question. Maybe not. <laughs> I, I tend to ramble, I apologize. Yes. Yeah. Next question. So... Are the Atrian characters in episode one supposed to sound as proper as they do? Absolutely. So Mrs. Tongs and Dr. Fan and Miss Possette are all supposed to be very official military and government figures. So they, they have this ideal of being the great Atrian, which is mm-hmm. more like the inner city versus the fringe. The fringe is this place where people are almost feral. And then the inner city has the high society, the militaristic ideals, so when they speak, it's not that they're trying to speak properly. That's just the way they know they're supposed to be speaking. Right. It's an incredibly proper society. I guess in the fringe, altruism is dead. People don't work together to achieve common goals. They work together to achieve personal goals that are mutually beneficial for a period of time, generally speaking. There, there are a few exceptions like the dark kin because right. they're actually a, a family, mm-hmm. uh, which is very rare. But Atreus is like one living organism, and everyone is a part of that organism and wants it to succeed. So that's... Um, I don't know what that has to do with them right. sounding proper, Travis. Well, like, you know, <laughs> that, that kind of explains to me that they want to sound proper. They want right. to... They have to educate everyone to speak like them. and Yeah. yeah. Right. The fringe threatens that. So they're... Brian speaks my crazy. Okay. Right. I don't speak your crazy. <laughs> On the podcast, the fringers are... They're perceived as monsters to the Atrians. Could you go into that a little bit? Is there just spreading fear to the Atrians? I don't know if that's a spoiler. It's not entirely based on the citizens' ideals, though. It's actually based on a government ideal, in my opinion, of controlling the major populace of the inner city. So if the government tells the inner city that the Fringers are complete monsters, it just strengthens the bond they have to the inner city and allows them even more. And not to leave. Yeah, it's like you can't leave... 
and because you have you to follow all the rules. Exactly. Like, out there, it will kill you. So you stay no here other and follow options, the rules. But to speak our language and Patriots yep. endures. Exactly. Uh, what is the approximate population on the planet as a. Sorry, one more time. This is why reading from a phone stinks. <laughs> I said I could print it. Yeah, Travis. Save the tree. Okay, what is the approximate population on the planet at the time the story takes place? Ah, shucks. I remember there was a a minimum number of people that are required to properly populate a planet. It was a Google search I did, and I think it was like 70,000 people. And I had projections somewhere explaining like, well, if this many years happened and you lost this percentage of your population, this is how many people you would still have, and, you know, kind of expansion... I had models somewhere. I just don't remember them. (laughs) As I I spit all over Caitlin. This is such a gross interview. In comparison, um, (laughs) Atreus to the fringe, if someone had to like visualize it, what would be the approximate like population of each? Oh, if you're just doing like by size, the whole colony overall is like New York City, maybe. In your term, does the colony include the fringe or not? Yeah, that would include the fringe. So you're okay. So everything. So it's like Manhattan and then maybe like the village would be maybe like Atreus. It's not huge. It's maybe a distance of uh, two miles. Those of us who don't know anything about New York City, what does that mean? Like it's about two miles out of of maybe like a five mile city. Um, It's maybe like a mile and a half circle. So the fringe is huge in comparison. Oh, yeah. That's why Atreus would just destroy them. They're so organized. The fringe is disorganized, but there's lots of them. And... uh, you know, numerical superiority as opposed to anything else. Cool. So, so what happened to Cato? Is he dead? Will he come back? Why Cato? Why indeed? Why indeed? Thoughts? What, were you, what was your reaction to finding out your character died, and how did you find out? Well, I actually found out while reading my lines for the first time. Um, I, I found out in the moment, which was kind of cool in a way. I was shocked, um, but overall accepting, kind of as Kato was in the moment. But yeah, very surprised. <laughs> I, I'm with I'm with the audience on this one. Caitlin, why? I think why, I'm still alive. Why did we kill Kato? Okay, so is he dead? Am I answering that question? Yeah, go for it. Okay, so from the perspective of what I've written so far, I really do believe he's actually dead. I'm very sorry. (laughs) Um, That's not a a definite yes. (laughs) There's just no reason that the Darkkin would have kept him alive um, with their religious beliefs. Can you go get me my tea? Um, But they would have killed him. Those are ours. Those are yours. Mine's a different type of tea. Oh. (laughs) Um, So killing Kato. So we knew we had to kill somebody off and we sat down and or I sat down and I saw, I thought about it and from the perspective of what their jobs were. No one needs an interface specialist. No one needed an interface specialist in the fringe. Um, mm-hmm. So he was a highly talented soldier just like the rest of the, the gang um, but his actual specialization did not apply to what they were seeing in the fringe. There were no to, to their knowledge, they didn't know whether or not they were going to be encountering the technology that Inner Atreus has. I actually remember, this is going to sound really shallow, I remember being like, okay, 
We, we've got this interface specialist, and I was actually like, I'll do that voice. And, you know, we want this guy who's really likable. Let's make him Brian, because he's got a really likable voice. Thank and then you. I just realized that it was really difficult, because you're in California, to get come down to, like, record. And I was like, man, you know what? Instead of killing off the character that I am, we'll, we'll switch the job. And I never um, expected I was going to kill Jungquist at all. It was actually kind of more like a toss-up between, like, Jalo and Kato in my brain. I didn't see that at all. So no, surprise, yeah. Brian. Originally, you were supposed to be Jungquist. Oh, cool. <laughs> but you live very far away. Yeah. So. Yeah, originally when Travis came to me um, with the idea to be Kato, I recorded hours worth of dialogue. Uh, I, it was good. <laughs> it was it was okay. I was having technical difficulties with my speaker, with my mic. I, I think Sean described it as... He realized that he wasn't recording with the microphone. He was using the computer microphone. The thing is, I, I, my computer was in an accident, so there'd be I'd do really good takes, minute-long takes, and then I'd realize halfway through that there'd be like hissing and crackling. So that was very frustrating. It was a harmless gasoline fight. Yeah. So eventually he actually got back to Florida, and we stuck him in a closet which to record live. was a lot faster, and a lot more I got to take direction from Travis, which I couldn't before. Everything else was through emails and vague comments like, great, but I need this. <laughs> <laughs> well, your, your boot line, like that one was, I don't know which leg is for my boot. Yeah, there's the line where we're all trying on clothes before we go into the fringe. And I realized as I was listening to this, the podcast completed for the first time that he used one of my outtakes. Which it was turned out really well. A very happy surprise. <laughs> I was like, wait, oh, okay, cool. There's some really good coughing Gradius at one point is like, I don't know. <clears throat> I, I don't know what's wrong. I'm Gradius. I'm Batman. <laughs> right. I, know, some I, I heard a lot are, of that in the blooper reel. A lot of yeah. coughing Batman. It's so organic, though, sometimes with you guys. I know where the lettuce is. It's my favorite <laughs> one. <laughs> it's in the fridge. the fridge. All right. So, enough about Kato. Next question. So, most podcasts are 30 to 60 minutes. Why are the episodes so short? I'm so sorry. Okay. So, I listen to a lot of podcasts, and so a lot of them along the lines that are more narrative, if you think of, like, uh, Welcome to Night Vale. Sayer. Or Sayer. They're actually much shorter than, say, a live play D&D podcast or uh, just people sitting down and talking, because a lot goes into writing it, recording it, editing it, putting in all of the foley, which means means sound effects, Um, (laughs) and trying to make it sound perfect as a story, which again, kind of leads to it being much shorter. Also, this is the first time I've ever written anything for an audio format. So I honestly thought me writing so many, what is it, like 15 pages was enough. And then 15 pages turned into like nothing, like no time at all. I was like, what? That took me hours to write and it's Mm -hmm. nothing. So they're a lot shorter, but hopefully next season they'll be a little bit longer. We're shooting for a little bit longer. Yeah. How long does it take to write the script for each episode, roughly? Hours. Oh, wait, <laughs> hours. no, you can't hear me whisper. Hours. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it takes a while. The way that I write, again, like I said earlier, I have to send it over to Travis so that he can proof it for atrianness, 
so that everything fits the world correctly. So it'll go back and forth a few times. How long did uh, episode, I believe it was eight, with the Dark Kin lore, how, how long did that take? That one was actually surprisingly easy because when I sit down to write entire paragraphs that are not conversations, it's so much easier. Mm-hmm. It's so much easier to write just monologues and myths and stories. That was a lot easier to write. It took a lot less time. I think it only took me like two and a half hours to get out the first draft really quickly. And that was while I was watching TV shows. That is also our longest episode, by the way. (laughs) How long is that one? 22 minutes. Okay. So that's a lot of text. What's the shortest one? 20? Shortest one's nine minutes. (laughs) Which one's nine minutes? I think episode three or two. I was just like, uh, I'm sorry. I really thought like, oh, if I stick to the same page amount, they'll all be perfectly fine. And then some of them end up being... So short. We need to start talking shorter. I mean, longer. Blech. Yeah, that would make it worse. Yeah. Just talk really slow. Or we're like, oh, they're going to walk in the hallway for like 10 minutes quietly, and you just footsteps. Nobody wants to hear 10 minutes of footsteps. We just need, need more campfire scenes. Yeah, more, more campfire. I don't know, but people are like, why was the story so long? And it's like, oh, well, it's... <laughs> can I, can it's a I, story. There are a lot more um, reoccurring characters in season two. So there's a lot more dialogue and we're planning on a lot more actually happening. So we're hoping that even though we're writing it into 10 episodes, the episodes are going to be significantly longer. I don't want to say that word. Not significant. They're going to be a little bit to maybe more longer. <laughs> I was like, each character gets like six pages Shh, now. Don't tell just, them we split them up. I, well, no, it's it goes back and forth. It's just like... Oh my god, writing it takes forever. <laughs> uh, how much recording time goes into a typical episode? Incalculatable, because I actually record with each actor for the entire season at once. You know, you were in a closet for four, or, fi- four or five hours. <laughs> you know, <laughs> give or take. <laughs> Just hanging in the closet. And it yep. would like rain, and we're like, oh, it's raining. We have to stop for a few minutes while the rain is here. <laughs> Really, really hard to get him out of the closet. <laughs> Honestly, it was a breeze compared to what I had to do in LA. I was in a much smaller closet. Travis's closet here is twice the size. I have I have a nice closet. And then like someone flushed a toilet upstairs. We have to wait a minute and a half while the water drains through the pipes. But like each character was maybe four or five hours of just recording the main ones, like the main five. But yeah. that's not per episode. That's pretty much like all of their lines at once. Yeah. And Travis made sure I had a, enough oxygen when, you know, the carbon <laughs> dioxide is starting to get to my head. You know. We have an alarm in there, too, for it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Beep screen. Yeah. I got my little own hamster wheel in there. <laughs> it's just a lot of recording. And then the other characters, it really is just it's like finding the right person for the right voice, getting them into the right mentality. You know, each little character, like the guard from episode 10 which hasn't come out while we're recording this. Even just his one line is, took maybe 20 minutes. Yeah, adding on to that, Travis did this all individually with each actor. I've actually only ever met Travis and Caitlin. I never met any of the other actors. and That was just all audio mixing magic. You met Emma Yeah, you I met Emma Squina. You met her once, but not after the show. Not Yeah, not during um, recording. I never once met any of them. You don't even have the audio references to work off of, so it's kind of exciting no it was definitely cool how it all came together it seemed very much more natural than i thought it could have been just recording by myself in a closet (laughs) oh that's travis's work yeah making everybody sound correct another question what else goes into making an episode 
sound effects. Uh, okay, so thing one is the writing of the script. We've we have the episode with with the season outline. Then we do an episode outline, and then it gets fleshed in. She does all that stuff. Uh, the episode's written. I do some revisions. Then it goes to characters, and I email them and say, "Yo, we gotta we gotta record, guys. Let's do this." Mm-hmm. Also, Kofsky has never actually listened to a single episode. He's not even gonna hear this. Like. <laughs> <laughs> Paul has not listened to any of these, and uh, he, he, he probably cried. should. But he, he like he gave us real tears. I know he 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 does really well when it comes to the acting portions, but he's literally never listened to an episode. No, no. So um, what's he saying? So then I, I get all the recording bits from everybody, or I have them show up for Jalo. I have to fly out to Georgia and meet with her to record stuff. And uh, after all the recording of the principals, then I got to record this, the other characters and. Then I have to do retakes because I usually suck at my own lines, even though I do them last. And then uh, all the sound effects have to be made, which is like me playing with a bag, eating grapes, and breaking celery into a microphone for hours. And then footsteps. I hate footsteps. And then ambience recording different (laughs) settings. But really, no, I hate footsteps. (laughs) He's like, okay, Caitlin, I need you to go put on your noisiest shoes and walk around the kitchen for 30 minutes. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, that's 30 <laughs> minutes. Let's start the podcast. And then, you know what's the worst part? Like, oh, there's wind in like half of it, so you can't use it. It's like hmm. right in the middle of like the walking. So um, there's that. And then there's like extra noises that need to go in after all that. And then I troll online for sound effects on free sound websites. And then it goes to, I have to export each track individually, send it off to Brandon Strader, who's awesome, and turns it magically into a coherent thing that I receive usually the day before the podcast is due, and then send it off to Cap, who uploads it to the the Nerdy Show guy, Cap. He's in charge of Nerdy Show. And then... So if you wonder why the episodes are so short, it's because the work it takes to make them is so long. (laughs) And then we get trolled on iTunes, like, your episodes are too short. Three stars. (laughs) (laughs) It takes so long, guys. (laughs) Kind of what we were talking about, obviously, with the the audio mixing. Um, One person asks, the audio for the characters, is it recorded individually and edited together into the conversations? Yeah, that... Actually, I started doing this, the individual like, recording separately. This, is, this whole conversation is actually organic, by the way. It's the only organic conversation you've heard in the entirety of the podcast where more than one person is in a room. In fact, all three of us are actually here. There's no like... This is true. I'm yeah. not recording this on my own. And then, He's not editing this later and like, you know. But um, I was working on an album, uh, Legend of the Boar Knight. And during that album, don't break the... Caitlin, stop that. <laughs> Sorry, she's playing with the microphone. Anyway, during Legend of the Boar Night, I asked Juju to record five minutes of him just talking into a microphone as if he was having a one-sided conversation. And then I made it into a conversation at the end of the album. It's like a hidden track of just like us chatting for like 10 minutes. Hmm. And I was like, wow, that sounded really organic. I think I could maybe do this. So that's why we kind of do that. And also it's none of us know each other or could get into a room to do it that. It would take even longer to make an episode if we had to get everybody together. That'd be impossible. It. Like, Hex is in Orlando and Brian's in LA and... Jalo's in Georgia. Kofsky's in Utah. Kind of a follow-up to that question. They write, the conversations still feel very convincing. Is there a secret to that? Are there any specific ways of writing the dialogue for the voice actors? Extensive notes on the delivery or something? I'll let you answer the writing part first. From the writing side, so far I've had many complaints from actors saying the lines that I write are too difficult to say. Um, 
So that's why we have so many bloopers Jungfist. for some. I got it. Jungfist. 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 <laughs> I'm so popular. <laughs> but some of the um, lines that I write are, I don't think about how they're said. So some of them are tongue twisters. And for the second season, I swear, guys, I won't do that. I, I think. Too late. Yeah. So spoiler, I've written some of the second season already. But for actually writing it from dialogue, dialogue is actually more difficult to write, in my opinion, than big monologues or chunks of descriptive text. So I put a lot of thought into it, and I have to try and put myself into the mind of what the character would be saying, mm-hmm. um, especially when it comes to Fringers versus the people from the uh, expedition, because there's such a difference in how they speak and the difference in their mannerisms and what they think is important, what they would be talking about. Answer the question. I, I think so. I do. Okay. I think that answers the question. <laughs> on the on the editing side, when I'm recording with people, I'll have them repeat a line a couple of different ways. Actually, there's a blooper in the previous one where Hex is saying, "Sev presents, Sev presents, Sev presents, Sev presents," and that's just kind of something I have people do. Like Brian, what was the line that I made you say a bunch of times in different ways? Like. Um. Is it the boot one? <laughs> no, the, the boot, the boot one was a good one. Like that was that was great. Like sometimes bloopers just fits feel so much more convincing and natural than when someone's actually trying to say it. Or I'll leave it recording when they don't think I'm recording them, and they'll like practice their lines, and then like that yeah. was the best take ever. In that situation. Yeah. <laughs> as long as they're not crinkling something. As long as they're not crinkling something or doing that lip sound that I hate, that pop. Ew. Right. Those sounds, just natural mouth sounds. Yeah, that's really the only secret I have. Okay. Another question. What went into fleshing out the Fringers' respective dialects? So the Fringers have a lot of different dialects. So if you listen to what Rodriguez says in one of the very early episodes, he says he's familiar with a few of the dialects. Um, I said Daleks. Daleks. <laughs> dialects. 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 So where was I? Jeez. He was familiar with the northern Fringers. Yes. Um, or whichever ones it was. I can't think of it right now because now my brain's... An expedition into the northern fringe. Yes. Um, So there are a lot of different ones. So if you hear the dark kin speak versus what you'll be hearing in season two versus what you hear when they encounter a scrapper or a sark or a prox or somebody, it all has to do with what's different. So we get some people asking us like okay why does one person sound this way when everybody else sounds this way it's like because unlike in the inner city where everyone is taught the same way people mm-hmm. in the fringe come from a variety of different gangs and tribes and ideas and cultures and ways of speaking and they can easily get transferred from one to another with the death of their gang or something like that so there's just a big hodgepodge of right. how people speak yeah i seconded yeah one of the things I was even wondering, the episode with the dark kin, it's even talked about through the characters how their dialects are so similar and that the Atrians uh, don't speak like the, the Fringers on the surface. Um, one of the dark kins speaking with them before they let them go. That's That was very curious for me, if so, you guys can talk on that. So from what I know about the origins of the dark kin, they came from a separatist group of scientists so they actually come from very educated stock. And mm-hmm. because they're actually a very large sort of family, they did have enough genetic diversity that they're not too inbred. 
but they also have this idea of everyone has to sound like their ancestors. Right. So they all talk in a very specific way, which is from the separatist educated atrian scientist group, I believe that's correct. Yeah, they were, they were yes. isolated. They were very <laughs> yeah. isolated from their uh, from their comrade fringers or separatists they were called at the time. Like they were a separate group that uh, intentionally and sort of unintentionally in times isolated themselves. So these elders used to be atrians. Well, not these elders. They're too young. Every their ancestors. Yeah, like All ancestors, of the, ancestors. Yeah. Okay. The Atrian mindset is, you know, no, they're nothing like us. And, you know, the, the actuality is kind of the opposite. Oh, more Dark King questions. <laughs> oh, I didn't even, yeah, that was a question. I was just thinking yeah. that. What was the question? Why do the Dark Kin speak so well? <laughs> oh, yeah. My thoughts exactly. Answered, move on. <laughs> Why do they speak as they Will do? the Dark Kin story play into a larger portion of the later stories? Why was it featured for as long as it was? All right, so there is a little bit of a tie-in from what Travis told me. If he's yeah, I'm, off I'm hearing face. you. I was just letting you finish your sentence. So, yeah. tell him about the tie-in. Oh, thing the, the tie-in thing. <laughs> oh, the dark kin play a large role in the comic book. Uh, they're featured in a later thing of the comic book. I, I keep talking about the comic book a lot, and it's not even like the first one's not out, but that'll be changed soon. Um, in March, they they play a pretty big role in the comic book, and there's a lot of their iconography and a lot of their characters make an appearance, and it's. I feel like they're brushed through, honestly. Like you don't kind of understand what these guys are really about, but you have a sense that there's some sort of greater story behind them. And I really wanted to tell that story in a way that was not forced and it wouldn't have fit the comic at all. And I have a different reason. Um, So the reason that I wrote it to be so long was one, because it's actually supposed to be an ethnographic investigation, it makes a lot of sense for them to actually have to hear something that is part of a culture or part of a mythos. And additionally, because they literally had just lost Cato, um, they get to the point where you are supposed to feel like you're trapped there just as much as they're trapped there. So it's not like they can just easily leave and could have easily left with Cato. It is that they are trapped there and they have to listen to the story. So it has to do with the feeling of, yeah, this this is really long and they actually had to sit through it. They had to remember it and then they were able to leave. Um, so it is both like a narrative and the feeling of immersion being stuck in the world with them during this process. So, mm-hmm. so why is Atreus interested in studying the Fringers? Was there a war between the citizens of Atreus and the Fringers? Um, their interest stems from exactly that. The fringe is the biggest threat Atreus has. There is almost no infighting because of this polarizing, grand, almost deified leader known as the Archon. And she's been at war, and uh, as a result, Atreus is at war with the fringe. And it's been this way for hundreds of years. I just thought of something that maybe people don't know that's actually really important. What's that? So the way that Atreus is laid out the inner city is literally like the center of the donut, and then the fringe is like the donut. It completely surrounds Atreus, so it's I like literally like it's, it's literally like they're stuck stuck in between all these fringers. So, can I say about the mining? Yeah, I don't yeah. know what I'm allowed to say. You can say anything you want. You're, you're so totally it was supposed free. to it was supposed to be a mining um, colony in, in the beginning, and then they abandoned it, and nobody on the planet knew why. And so, because they were trying to terraform the planet. They only were able to terraform a single part of the planet, and that's where both the fringe and the inner city are. Real quick, do we know the name of the planet? Uh, No, we don't know the name of the planet. Hmm. Continue. Okay, moving on. 
or going back or whatever. So if you think about it like that, then the inner city and the fringe were at one point all the same thing. They were part of a very prosperous mining colony. But as there was this civil war and all this strife, it kind of separated over time. And shouldn't you be saying this? I feel bad saying this. No, I said <laughs> So now we have the inner city, which is literally on the inside of this colonized section. And this is the very prosperous section where almost all the buildings are still intact and technology is still almost operational. Mm-hmm. And then you have the fringe where a lot of the wars took place, a lot of uh, dilapidation, where things were beginning to fall apart. It's still habitable, right. um, but it's not the utopia of the inner city. So I would assume anything that uh, that Kofsky and the gang bring back with them, it's it's never going to be public knowledge, even whether they think it will be or not. It's just what the Archon needs to know if there's threats, I'm assuming. Certain elements might be made publicly available, but it would be... The monstrous elements. Yeah, they want to really make the fringe seem like a place you don't want to visit on your vacation or your time off. So they would make Cato Battelle out to be like this martyr. Like he went out into the fringe and the horrible monsters killed him, like mm-hmm. things like that. Like they would play it up as propaganda. Right. There's kind of um, sort of a back and forth between like totally saying they're monsters that can't be reasoned with. And at the point in history the, the podcast takes place, they're starting to say, okay, well, there's a, you know, fringers have devolved into creatures that aren't even recognizable as being semblances of what they once were. But besides perpetuating the propaganda of the fringes, is there anything specific that Atreus is searching for in the fringe that they want to know? Military strategic advantages. Um, in episode 10, when they're talking to the uh, very awesome salesman who I, I love so dearly, he starts going into like, oh yeah, we can we can crack open the Atrian guns and the ones the Innies use, and those can be repurposed for our our own good. And mm-hmm. Atrian guns only fire if the intended user is holding it. They've got scanners and such; they're really technical. Without getting into boring gun technology detail stuff, this is a very huge threat that someone could crack open, you know, kill someone, take their gun, and give it to someone because most fringers don't have working automatic firearms at all. Most fringers don't even have firearms. It's a lot of resources required. Hmm. I guess one of the things I was wondering throughout the podcast, why why is Kofsky there if that's what Atreus is after? It besides like for the audience to to understand what the fringers are, is there a specific reason that Atreus wants him there? From my perspective, they want to understand any future threats. So if there's a gang that's rising to power, they want to understand what that gang is, what they're about, what their goals are, who important figures are within that gang, and who better to send to get all this information than someone who's actually interested in learning about them and is fascinated by them and he sort of dreams about it in his little zeros and ones, you know, as he writes, you know, crunches numbers at a desk statistics. Not binary. (laughs) No, he's he's a calculator. But if you think about it from... If you think about it from like a, strate- a strategic um, perspective, but also from a cultural perspective, if you think about religions, a single religion that gains power, gains followers over time, becomes the Christian empire or things like that. Mm-hmm. So in the fringe, if there's the rise of, let's say, this is not happening, I'm just giving an example. If the dark kin mythos, if that pantheon became far more powerful and far more influential. Eventually, you'd have so many fringers following one set of rules and one single leader that they would be a formidable force. 
So understanding all the different ideas of what's important to them, what religions they follow, things like that, is actually important for a technical, militaristic perspective. And, and previously to the story, also sort of answering the other question, there was a war because one fringer sort of took over. He became really powerful, got a huge group together, unified a large portion of the fringe, and said, we're going after Atreus. That's the next jewel we are going to take. And they outnumbered Atreus, so it was a big threat. So why must Fringers trade for food and water privately? Is it similar to a drug deal? And uh, why trade water tokens and not just the actual good? I assume it's traded privately because they don't want people trying to kill them for their food and water, right? Pretty (laughs) much. Meal canisters are actually really rare in the Fringe. Not really rare, but they are considered very high monetarily. So people eat people in the Fringe, if you haven't noticed. Um, Mm -hmm. So actually trading meal, literally carrying around a physical piece of meal is like carrying around $100 in your pocket. You don't really want people to know that you have that. So for the water tokens, from what I was writing it from the perspective of, it was that they don't physically have the water. Um, There are only a few places in the fringe where you can go and get water if you trade it for a token, because the people who have the power over the water give out tokens to people who trade with them. Okay. So... That trading group that we saw was trading something they had traded before. Are we going to get to, um, through the pot, there's going to be future podcasts, I'm assuming. Oh, yeah. Yeah, okay. there's a season two right. in the works. <laughs> Are we going to get to see more of the, the water traders, like, specifically, like, their inner workings, like? I don't know that we're, we're focusing on that in the next season, but if we have future seasons subsequently after that, which is being decided and such, we, we might. Water tokens play a, a bit of a role in, in some of the comic, and also kind of another part about water tokens. Some buildings have running water, but to keep the, the water running from like a treatment facility or somewhere where the water wouldn't, you know, just... Yeah. You have to pay for that. That's another thing I was wondering about. The middle of the donut, Atreus. Yep. How are how are they getting all these resources when the fringe is so huge and vast that they could possibly deny them such resources? They're basically resource manufacturing facilities, RMFs. It's the future, so technology is really grand and awesome, but they kind of have let a lot of things run into disrepair in the fringe. You know, they didn't keep a guy working at full time because he had no motivation to do so until a gun was pointed at his head and said, learn how to you know make this thing work. And then someone fought over it and, you know, blew up one of the functioning parts of it. Yeah. So these things are scattered throughout all of Atreus. There's lots of them for meal manufacturing because they don't have cows, they don't have pigs, they don't have plants, really. So their food comes from this plant that manufactures it. Uh, and there's there's a bunch of those, but Atreus is, is self-sufficient. And it uh, they've expanded in such a way because it started mm-hmm. off much smaller. They've ex- they've taken more territory over the years. So the ones in the fringe are like remnants that are just still working. Yeah, they're really uh, messed up. Atreus had a lot to do with that, actually. Right. There's also, because um, the inner city is so restricted, they have a way of keeping their resources at an okay level. They actually have restrictions on how many children couples are allowed to have while in the fringe people just have so many children. But that's why in the fringe there's also such resource scarcity that people result to or lead to cannibalism. So the inner city has a way of keeping everything very well structured to keep everybody happy and satisfied. And then the fringe is everyone can do what they want. They're free, but 
that freedom comes with the price of maybe being dinner. Mm-hmm. All right, long question. Was the background sound design for the Warfather's Tale influenced by the uh, Balinese monkey chant, most famously featured in the movie Baraka? Uh, the audio hints at a much larger cultural tapestry within the Dark Kin. Like, whenever Higaros is mentioned, there is a brief chant. Other names and phrases seem to have certain sounds or actions associated with them during the course of the story, which really adds to the immersion. And just in case you are unfamiliar with the monkey chant, they list the YouTube link. Yeah. Okay, so uh, that's actually, our, I think, our last question. That whole scene took way too much of my time. But it, I'm really happy with how it turned out. It was awful up until Strader mixed it. Um, was it Higaros who had the chant, or was it... Well, Higaros has, like, the, the like, ah, chant. I was, a, okay, I was definitely the... picturing, it like, a Mad Max scene, just, like, with the oh, yeah. people below chanting. And, like, every time they say, previous, oi, ha, ha. Yeah, <laughs> they have that go on, but it was it was a mix of the Day of the Dead Native American celebration singing, and they have like you know whips and flutes and like yelling. I, I really loved that um, with some Bangladeshi school children playing instruments, and them playing the instruments is actually charming when you listen to it on its own. But when you give it like a sinister context, them poorly playing, <laughs> it was instrument. really creepy. Oh yeah, it's like it's like oh this kid doesn't know how to play a tuba very well. Oh oh man, they're playing like tubas and it's very dissonant <laughs> and there was also um cheering i have a band careless juja and we uh had a bunch of people show up to do cheering and um singing for an album we were working on and i used some of that cheering for uh, this as well there was also chanting from the mayan end of the world celebration back in 2012 in mexico and the that was also included. It was a lot of like Day of the Dead stuff. That was the the uh mm-hmm. sound in the background. Lots of that. But I had never actually seen Baraka, but I had I was somewhat familiar with uh Balinese chanting. I just I wasn't really on my mind, but I was thinking kind of in similar circles. It, it's actually a really cool video. If you look up Baraka monkey chant, it's it's kind of cool. But really weird but fun. <laughs> cool. Well, that's the end of our questions. Thank you guys so much for writing in. We really appreciate it. I just did a little clap. Nobody could hear that. (laughs) But yeah, thanks to everybody who sent in questions and thanks to everybody who's helped make the podcast a thing. We're really happy with how many people are tuning in, sending questions already. Because it's only like four months old or something like that. So it's been pretty insane that people actually listen to something that I write. That's weird. Why do you do that, guys? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Because it's great. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, and if you hear Brian's voice in the future, he's, he's probably not Kato Patel, but imagination. Yeah, that's actually one of the main reasons. I was like, I don't know if we can use Brian, because if they hear his voice, they're going to be like, Kato's back. And I'm like, no, no, he's not. He's not. <laughs> oh, they won't hear me. We'll do, like, robotic sounds and stuff, you know. <laughs> we'll just, we'll just store it. <laughs> Thank you guys again, and we also wanted to really quickly let you know uh, the following episodes are going to be Tales from the Tower, a series of short narrative-style horror stories to get us through while we are working diligently on season two, crying bloody tears as we uh, work doubly as much to bring it each episode. It takes so long to write an episode. To life. And uh, we hope you will stick with us during this wait and enjoy our uh, our wonderful narrations by a diverse cast of people from around the country. 
And if you see us at Magic City Comic Con in Miami, if you see us at C2E2 in Chicago, Tampa Bay Comic Con in Tampa, and MegaCon in Orlando, you can stop by our booth and we have Liberty Critical Research stickers. And we'd love to talk about the podcast. And may the Archon watch over you. Reeve endures. Reeve endures.